What's up? Seven Deuce Trace here on the Moto X Pod Show. Hey, this is Chase Sexton. You're listening to the Moto X Pod Show. All the leaves are brown and the sky is gray. Little California dreaming from the mamas and the papas, because uh, TJ just got back from a w- way too short of a trip to California, in my opinion. But uh, hey, we're here with live on YouTube with episode 101. Big show tonight, brought to you by Torque One Racing. Right, Torque One Racing is providing high quality, economical performance parts. Check out TorqueOneRacing.com for grips, pegs, handlebars, shifters, brake pedals, and more. Johnny and Torque One Racing <laughs> Torque One Racing has a passion for the racing industry. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff. Longtime sponsor, Shock Socks, the original and number one 10-second removable fork seal protector. MX Grill Designs for your graphics needs. All Sport Dynamics for your wrist braces. Mad Jack Synthetics, Dane Evans with his Amsoil. Uh, Fly Racing, of course, the best gear out there. Power Band Racing, Extreme Colors. Uh, custom helmet painting and works wheels and mods for motor work, motor work and Cerakoting. Big show tonight. Like I said, we've got um, the the one of my favorite all time riders, Jeff Ward. We have Alex Martin coming up for the East Coast is two weeks away. Jacob Hayes, Michael Antonovich, and Bill Haras. You know how you say it? Have you talked to him? Haras is what I said. I he mean. is the director of Supercross Futures. So, TJ, uh, yeah, man, how was your trip from California? Man, the trip to California and back was was exciting going there, and it was almost like you said, too short being there. It was a lot of fun, but I um, I guess my eyes were I, – I enjoyed the trip way more than I expected. The uh, I got, Like I talked last week, a lot of things were different than what I expected, but it was a lot of fun. Oh, that's good. I mean, I, you know, I, you know how I feel about California. So, yeah, it's a great place. Like people have said many a times, even people who live there had told me it's a great place to visit. I don't know if I could live there. There was they have you're not they're not allowed to um, give you straws unless you ask. I, I've heard that. Yeah. Um, if you when you go to the store, you have to ask for a plastic bag, and it's ten cents. Yeah, um, I knew that. There, there was a there were a couple guys telling me some of the things that they were trying to tax. Um and and their roads are terrible. The <laughs> okay. Conditions of the roads are terrible. But I really had fun. I really did. The um, I I don't really have a lot to say negative that is not uh cliche or however you want to put it. Right, right. Um. Well, I, you know how I feel about it, so I'm not going to go on and on about that. Um, it, it was awesome. Good I, man. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I found ha- Del Taco. Del Taco is amazing. <laughs> Del Taco is very good. I, I found it at Glendale for the first time and enjoyed it. Yep. Um, but it Doc, was good. Doc got to ride some of the tracks. We did. We I got to ride the tracks that he did. I was impressed with some of them and very let down on others. Um, but it was fun. The whole track, the whole thing was fun. And um, I think the most fun we have was riding at a at a place called Nuevo. It was like deep sand. 
Um, it was super, super, super rough on the main area where the pros, the pros were riding that stuff. When I say, like, we could set this whole setup, people who are watching on YouTube could see it, set this whole setup down in one of the chug holes, <laughs> and it would the, the sand would be above our head. Right. And it was just those after that, after that. I don't know how they ride that stuff so fast. Plessinger was just going over it like it wasn't nothing. So I hopped in. Obviously not behind him. I wasn't trying to keep up, but I saw him go through there. I'm like, okay, that's the way the track goes. And I hop in there, and I did maybe a quarter of a lap, and I pulled off and said, nope, I'm not doing this. <laughs> the corners were cool, but the straightaways were nothing but chug holes. Yeah, I, I sort of remember doing some of that when I rode out in the desert, just the way that the long, it'd be whooped out it sections was, of just sand. And it was, yeah, but it, it but there's a part up on the side of the hill that had this you kind of make your own track. I had so much fun with that, and I got cool. to see the world's biggest tree. That yeah, cool. I saw that on on our YouTube channel. Yeah. yeah, that was. I mean, it was fun. Sure, redwood forest. Everything, like you said, everything from snow to beach. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, I love it. So I, I'm I was jealous. I was kind of mad that you were out there. I didn't think it was fair. So um, uh, hey, we got a winner on our giveaway of the uh, Power Band Racing. Free suspension revalve, and that was Buck Riggy. So, Buck, congratulations. Pre- appreciate you guys entering and get that WP suspension set right. Yeah, man, we're doing more. We got some Amsoil, the Amsoil giveaway going on at Instagram. We got a fly racing one coming up next week. Um, so, yeah, lots of cool stuff. Big show tonight. Uh, we just wrapped up with Oakland. That's a lot of, you know, Adam what seen. a ghetto. <laughs> okay, yeah, you've heard that. No, until you actually go there, yeah, it's like. A couple people that I know saw two hookers get in a knife fight. <laughs> nice. All right. I mean, uh, Daniel Blair and his kid witnessed a store getting robbed. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was. It yeah. was. They don't. They don't. Uh, it's not a good area. Why would they go there? Why would they? Somebody needs to just fire that mayor or whoever's in charge of that city and, and try to re- redo it. Start over. Just. I don't know. What a get. Yeah, I don't. I don't know, man. I mean, just. I don't know how you fix stuff like that. Not. Not privy to that, but what about the race? AC gets a win. Yep. Cooper Webb gets a second win. And I'm along with everybody the whole time. I'm like, just settle down. Webb, are you, um, with AC? AC you've oh, got geez. this. Just settle. Yeah. You've got this. I was so sure he was going to kill himself. And Marv's going to win the championship? Think so? Goodness gracious. I know Webb. We're big Webb fans here. We mm-hmm. like him. He's been on the show a couple of times. He's a straight shooter. He's awesome. But... Marv was on the gas, like, oh yeah, he was the fastest guy. Well, I don't know if he was the fastest guy. He was the I think Baggett. I think Baggett put some laps in that were like the fastest. But, I mean, fastest consistently. Right, right, yeah. Overall, he was the best of the night, but he hasn't gotten it done yet. But I'm, I'm calling Eli to win. It's going to be a lot of orange on the podium for the rest of the year. Think so? Yeah, I don't think so. No, no, I don't think so. I'm not I, saying that they're going to. I think Eli and Kenny will get it figured out. I think uh, it's uh, coming. They're going to get up there, but, I mean, there's always going to be an orange oh, bike on well, the Oh, well, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, look, there's a, we can talk about the race. It's been talked about enough already. Um, we, it's it's an exciting <laughs> year. East is coming. What are you laughing at? Oh, shit, yeah. It's, 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 just, it's, it's been really exciting. It's, it's one of the best exciting. seasons so far. The first four races has been one of the best so far in a long time. Yeah. Can't wait for the East to start off and see how that goes. Um it's it's hopefully it continues. Hopefully the East is the same as the West, where it's just you don't know who's going to win, and the points is hopefully it stays tight the whole season. Yeah, it's going to be good. All right, well let's uh let's take a little break, regroup, and get ready for our first guest of the night, Alex Martin.
All right, our first guest of the night on episode 110 is brought to you by Shock Socks. Shock Socks is the original and number one 10-second removable fork seal protector. On the line with us is JGR Suzuki's number 26, Alex Martin. What's up, eh, Mart? Hey, fellas. Not too much. Just uh, had a good day riding down here in Florida and uh, about to hop in their plane and go break in the race bike this week up in Charlotte. Oh, there you go. That's what I was going to ask. Where are you riding down there? Um, I've kind of been back and forth between Charlotte and Florida. Um, right now I'm in Florida. I have a house in Claremont, so uh, I've been riding out at the sandbox, the moto sandbox with the boys, but yeah. spending a lot of time up in Charlotte as well. So Nice, nice. Uh, well, we're about two weeks away from, uh, the first East Coast race. Uh, you getting, getting a little excited, a little antsy? Yeah, I'm pretty pumped. It'll be, yeah, <laughs> first, first true debut on the Suzuki and JGR program, so. Yeah, I'm kind of excited. Uh, I've been feeling good on the bike for a while now, and um, I did race in September. I did a race up in Montreal, Canada, but I wouldn't say it, I didn't really give it much uh, effort. You know, I just kind of showed up and raced the bike. So I'm looking forward to Minneapolis, though, for sure. Definitely. I'm excited to see you guys get out there. I mean, this West Coast race, uh, championship so far has been a nail-biter. Very exciting. So this is the, the 450 season. Uh, you know, what do you think about what you've seen from the West Coast guys so far? Yeah, I mean, you got the the, four, the 250 class. You got four guys that are basically within four points of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely, uh, you know, seems like AC and Brandis are the fastest guys, but they're kind of a little bit inconsistent. Um, so yeah, it's been good racing for sure. And 450 class, I think, uh, I feel like I'm I'm as surprised as everyone is about Cooper. You know, he's he's been killing it, and um, you know. It, pretty pretty cool i guess to see him up there uh doing well you know i i wasn't sure if he'd ever be able to get to that level again so it's yeah. kind of cool to see him up there and you know ken and ken and eli i think they have yet to find their stride so I yeah there's, there's a lot going on and it's been pretty entertaining these first four races definitely definitely it's been exciting for the fans um but let's talk about you man how's your training been going you know, you feel like you're 100. percent You had some injuries last year. Not not a uh, fantastic season for you, unfortunately. Where are you at mentally and physically? Um, yeah, I just kind of feel feel like this off season and even doing East Coast, which gives me a little bit more of an off season. Uh, finally, was able to just get the body healthy and and put in some work and just like really, really finally take time to work on my weaknesses and and just try and build myself up and and try and get back to to hopefully you know on on the top step so um you know i guess we'll see in a few weeks here if if the work we were doing in the off season was productive or not you know but i mean regardless uh i've just been having a fun time with jr boys and the training has been enjoyable and um just the the new new team and the new atmosphere and right new uh, training grounds everything has been kind of just an enjoyable process i've been having fun with it awesome so you've been um obviously because you talking about the west coast stuff you've been paying attention to that stuff how much and i never thought about this how much do you watch like what your teammates are doing and where they are throughout the throughout this first part of it yeah i guess for like bike setup or or those kind of things for you as we get ready to hit head east? Um, yeah, I've actually, I mean, I, I think I watch more than people would realize. It's, I mean, even though I'm not out there, I think there's a lot that you can learn, especially, 
really watching the, the Saturday qualifying and stuff, and it's pretty cool now how they have that all live, so you can watch watch everything and the lap times. And, and being on a new team, too, it's, it's exciting for me to kind of see how Jimmy D and, and Enzo are doing. Um, and so I've been watching them. You know, it's kind of cool to see the Jimmy's up there get some hole shots and, and got some raw speed and stuff. I was pretty pumped to see him win the heat race last Dude, weekend yeah. in Oakland. So. I thought yeah. he was going to just unload in the main event with as fast as he was in the heat race, and things just didn't go well. But, man, he was so fast in that heat race. Yeah, you know, and that's, that's the cool thing. It's uh, with being, Knowing that I'm on the same bike as those guys, it's cool to see them up there and, and, and know that, the, you know, because I, I think when I signed my deal with JJR, there's a lot of people saying that the motor was – slow and maybe not capable but uh i mean you know obviously in the off season we were all like man this is a pretty good package you know like i think we'll be all right and then uh to see him out there a whole shot and it's like all right i think we're i think we're okay (laughs) yeah yeah definitely it's um it's especially in supercross i mean even if the motor was a little off you know maybe you're maybe you'll have a disadvantage off the start but i think it's really a lot more rider ability in my opinion once you get into Supercross, you know what I mean? And Jimmy D, man, he, he was impressive the other night. But, I, you know, what what do you think about the Suzuki? You've, you've been riding it. You haven't rode the race bike, you said. But how's it compare to what you've been riding? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously I'm riding for Suzuki now. But, like, I, I guess ever since I swung a leg over the bike in September, I was pleasantly surprised with, with everything um, – handling characteristics of the bike and the engine even and um i obviously you know we're not riding stock motorcycles by sure any i think the jr guys have uh one thing is they have a lot of resources behind them to, to make a good engine and make it fast and i mean we've seen that in the 450 class a lot of their 450 guys have bull shot it over the years and and it, the 250 is no different they've they've really i think dean baker and the guys over there have done a great job with trying to find horsepower out of that thing and I mean, because as you know, in the 250 class, that's that's really horsepower's king in that class. So, um, it's yeah, it's been good so far. I mean, I really, really have been gelling with the bike, and I'm right. happy with everything. So, uh, biggest thing for me is just uh, trying to stay healthy and, and just try and build. You know, uh, not necessarily coming in to try and let the light the world on fire. I just want to kind of be healthy, and I want to go to every race this year and not be on the couch halfway through or, or anything like that. Definitely. So. Being with the new team, and you had a little time over there, and you've been with one or two teams throughout the years, what's something that they're doing there, maybe something that you, like uh, like tools that they have offered to your, uh, I guess you say disposal or whatever there, that you don't always get or you haven't got at other teams? Um, I guess one of the cool things with JGR is they've really tried to, to uh, make a complete program in Charlotte. So, and that's kind of why I've been going back and forth so much is because I, I go up there and not only do I get some good testing in with the team and, and, uh, I can ride with Jimmy D Enzo and Kyle Peters and Chad Reed and Justin Hill, but, uh, you know, they have a, they have a gym there right next to the motocross shop. And I mean, the gym has like everything you would need. And there's like a physio, a physical therapist lady that works there full time. And it's just like, everything's so convenient to be there. Um, yeah. the weather, the only downside maybe is the weather is not totally ideal in the month of january but, <laughs> right you know that's uh that's where florida kind of comes into play is you get some warm weather down here so it's not a big deal but uh they just yeah they do a good job with just kind of having the whole program up and running and, and that all the guys are constantly riding with each other day in and day out so it's uh yeah, it keeps everyone on their toes how about working with Budman and uh j-bone you know I mean, Budman's kind of more over the 250 program the guy's 
full of knowledge, very smart. Um, what's he helped you with and what, just what's he like as, I guess I don't, he's not really the team manager. I don't know exactly what his title is, but what, what's it like riding for him and how's he helping you? Yeah, I wasn't really sure what his role was uh, when I came on board, but I would say he's kind of more or less the, like the 250 side of a team manager. Yeah. Um, but, you know, what's cool is he's, he's living in Charlotte now, so he, he picked up and moved his family from California to, to North Carolina and has kind of made that his home base. And so he's out at the track um, every day for the most part. Obviously, now that they're racing on the weekends, he's uh, traveling a little bit more, so he's maybe out there once a week or so. But mm-hmm. No, it's helpful to have him at the track. I mean, he's, he definitely has an eye for technique and, and uh, you know, things we're doing wrong um, on the track. So, you know, when I go up there, it's, it's kind of helpful to have him helping me and stuff like that as well. Absolutely. Hey, we have a listener question. Uh, Gringo wants to know, how many hours do you guys put on a practice bike before rebuilding? Uh, well, actually, that's, that's actually a recent topic because I just switched my practice bike up last week. Um, and I think the, my practice bike that I had on last was, it had 45 hours on the frame. And I think the motor had about, we go, motors are about 15 hours Okay. when we, yep. So, but yeah, about 45 hours for the frame. So, and I, I don't really know that's, that's just my first practice bike that I went through. I don't know if it's going to be like the norm or if it'll be any sooner or longer than that. I'm not sure, but well, I know from dealing with the amateur side stuff, um, the guys at the Bar X Suzuki team, those guys, um, they've got some. They got a lot of power out of that Suzuki. And I was talking with them. I guess it was at um, A two uh, on the amateur day that they had, and they were. Yeah. I mean, it's impressive what they're doing with those bikes. And they said that those bikes are almost. They're almost designed to be built for the everyday weekend warrior. They run forever, but the way that the way that the motor builder was telling me is Suzuki made that motor to where there's a lot left for y'all to be able to get. And you can definitely tell. Yeah. Well, that's the thing when we, so I rode the 18 for maybe like three days in the month of September. And then I raced Montreal and then, uh, came back in, in the 19, I rode that beginning of October mm-hmm. and it's cool. Cause we were, we were going back and forth from the 18 and 19 to one day. And, like, basically the base package of the 19, like, before they really have even started dynoing or anything, was, like, already on par with what they had from 18. Yeah. And so, you know, the month, the month of November, December, even January, they've just kind of been chipping away and, and getting more and more out of it. So I think we're already in a good spot uh, considering it's a new bike, you know. But, hey, you mentioned a little while ago that, you know, you're, you're not – going to try to come out and just set the world on fire you want to get through supercross healthy uh, clearly you want to win but you have sounds like you're being sm- a little smarter about it let's get through the season uh, do you feel like you're more focused more just kind of your goal is to go and and win outdoors or are you just saying overall you just want to be get through the whole season healthy um, I mean, to be honest, there's definitely emphasis for me on Supercross over outdoors. I really, uh, you know, with outdoors, I've been second in the series twice now, mm-hmm. and I kind of have like that, like uh, feeling. Not, I mean, obviously, I haven't won outdoors a championship yet, and that is the goal. Like the goal is to win an indoor and outdoor championship. I mean, Suzuki's and JJR has invested in me to to at least begin on the podium and getting these championships. But at the end of the day. Um, you know, if you look at the last two years and being injured in Supercross, I really feel I have a point to prove okay. in Supercross. 
Um, but having said that, like I'm not, I just, I just have, I've had these years go by where you put so much stress on yourself and you like so much, you emphasize so much like, Oh, I have to perform and you have to, to win or be on the podium to keep your ride. And, and like, I really just want to try and my approach this year is just not to, to approach it with all this putting stress on myself. It's unneeded. And I just want to go in and be healthy and try and uh, do the best that I can. And, and I mean, I do feel comfortable on the bike and there's a lot of good feelings with the Suzuki. So, um, yeah, I'm just trying to kind of internalize all that. Yeah. That hype. <laughs> um, so when you, when you watch a race, like when you see the injury that Weston, uh, your teammate Weston sustained overseas, I mean, we know how dangerous this sport is. Does something like that enter your mind? Do you think about those things? Does, even your brother, I mean, your brother got hurt really bad at uh, Muddy Creek last year. Um, does that change anything for you when you line up at the gate? Um, yeah, you know, when you're in the heat of the moment like that, you're definitely not thinking about it. Um, but I think I actually haven't really seen Weston. I've talked to him through text messages a little bit, but yeah, obviously I saw pictures of him and stuff at Anaheim, and he's in a pretty rough spot. I mean, it sounds like it's getting better, but it's still, you know, it's going to be a long process. But mm-hmm. I really think the, my brother's injury kind of was more close to home, and that, that hit me a little bit more. Um you know, you go from being in a championship hunt and battling with them and having awesome battles in the weekends to, to like, all of a sudden he's in a hospital bed with a broken back. And, you know, I still got to go out there and race. So that was pretty tough last summer just to kind of deal with that. And uh, just even knowing how much pain the poor kid was in, mm-hmm. you know, because his back got infected and the whole process. And then even now, you know, he had, he had surgery January 9th, I think, up in Vail, Colorado, so uh-huh. to get some different different rods put in and now he's out for the whole 2019 season so yeah it's been it's been tough for the little guy um, <laughs> but you know i just i just try and yeah just focus on i just yeah you definitely got to put that out of your mind and and uh, just send it on race day <laughs> right yeah i mean otherwise yeah you're just you can't be at your peak i guess if, if you can't block that out mentally you're definitely gonna your results are gonna suffer but it, it's still something i guess i would think that would be tough to to get by especially when it's your brother yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it looks like, and I'm bringing up Mathis. People don't, you know, aren't the biggest fans of him, but we know that y'all all get along good. It looks like Mathis is doing everything he can to get feel to all the supercrosses. Um, <laughs> do we need to figure out some way to get him under y'all's tent where he can hang out with you the whole time? Yeah, I've been noticing that. Like, <laughs> like every time I'm on any social media platform, Instagram, Twitter, like he is constantly talking about Phil. And I'm like, I'm about ready to unfollow the fucking guy. Cause it's like, <laughs> it's so annoying. <laughs> like, you know, and I Phil's my good friend. And I'm actually like, when I go up to Charlotte, I stay with him in his apartment. But like every, every comment, everything I see from Mathis has like Phil's name in it. Right. <laughs> yeah. There's a, there's a lot of love for filthy out there. He's, he's uh, entertaining and he's polarizing with the, with the fans. Yeah, I just I just think it's too much. Too much for me. <laughs> I hear you. Well, hey, talking to, speaking of the fans and um, social media is real big in sports, obviously, and, and uh, I'm sure your sponsors, you know, want you posting all the time. Um, is that something that you enjoy doing, or is it really like a chore? Uh, I mean, yeah, it's, it's fun, I guess. And I mean, you could say it's like fun to put up posts and and get the, the social media banter back and forth. But at the same time, I think the the, uh, the amount that some of these guys post, I think is a little excessive. And then 
that's when it gets a little overkill, I think. I don't know. I think everything in moderation is, is how I approach social media. Right. I'm, I'm sure a lot of the guys have people posting for them. You can kind of see those canned posts that they get put up for. So, and I, I think most yeah. of the true fans can see right through that stuff. Yeah. I just, I, I'm curious because I see some people, like, you know, like Zach Osborne told me he's really bad at posting. And I would just wonder if. You know, it, you guys are so busy and you got a lot going on. And if you have to be like, oh, wait, I ha- I'm supposed to post, you know, three times a day or whatever, if that's like an, an, a kind of a hindrance on what your your day, your program is. Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I had the, the uh, opportunity or I guess you'd say pleasure to, to hang out with Dino for the last couple of years training with him. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you know, he's always, obviously, he's a prime example of someone that's on their phone all the time and um <laughs> obviously i think for him it's worked out you know yeah. like he wouldn't have he wouldn't have all these outside sponsors and cool opportunities if it wasn't for his, his uh following but yeah it's like when you're on a bike ride in the morning and it's like 7 a.m and he's like doing a story <laughs> <laughs> right right you know it's just like non-stop and, so, and that's kind of when it's like i think uh for me it that's just not uh you know where i find my you know excitement in life i guess <laughs> right what about media, like doing a show like this or talking to Steve or, or you know, Transworld Magazine, you know, Anton's interviewing you. Is that something you enjoy? It's part of the it's part of the job. Um, you know, it's part of, you know, you guys make most of you guys make pretty good money. Um, but that's part of what comes with it. Is that something that you enjoy doing? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't mind it. I really don't think the, the whole interviewing stuff and the media stuff is really a. Uh, a pain in the ass by any means. Right. Um, we I appreciate mean, that. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. No, I don't, <laughs> I, I enjoy it. I mean, it's uh part of the job, but it's also not like a, a, a tough thing to do either. You know, I mean, yeah. it only takes a few minutes or whatever. Sure. So. Well, on so a lot of mainstream sports like football and baseball and those kind of things, I'm sure the guys are overwhelmed with people constantly. What is that for like you kind of where you live or going up to Charlotte or, or any of those places, do you get stopped very often? Do, like, never asked a, a pro motocrosser that. One of the top-level guys like you, do y'all get noticed when you're out at the grocery store or any of that stuff? Oh, no. I don't think motocross is quite that big yet. I mean, <laughs> I, I definitely, you know, from time to time, a little rare maybe, but it's like in the airports or whatever, you'll come across people. But for the most part, like our, our reach and our sports is not quite as big as, uh, right. you know, like – NASCAR, basketball, football. That, so that it probably makes dealing with goofy people like us a little easier because <laughs> you don't have to. You're not constantly berated with it. Yeah, yeah, you guys are okay. You're okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. Appreciate that. Um, well, before we wrap this thing up, Alex, you know, I'd like again. You, I'm going to go back a little bit. You said you, you're not really going in f- like full bore, ready to set the world on fire. I think is what you, the way you said it, but. What are your realistic ex- expectations for the season overall? Where would you know you want to win a championship? What's your goal for the first race? Let's say what what would you be happy with? Worst case. Um, I mean, I it's hard to put a number on it. But, okay. You know, if you get out of there with the top five, you know, it's like okay, you know, we, we can build off of that. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to be you know on the podium, but uh, yeah, like I said, we're just. We're trying to take it easy. Just sure. you know, be there for the for the long haul this this year, boys. Nothing <laughs> wrong with that. That may be like the theme of yeah. 2019. Yeah, everybody. yeah, for sure. <laughs> it seems to be working. Um, 
I don't know how many Triple Crowns are east. I mean, there's two left, so I don't know if you're getting both of them. But what do you think of that format? One, as a racer, and two, probably getting to watch it from home the first one this year at, um, what was it, A2 last year, yeah. last week? Yeah, I think it. I think this year is better, how they're doing the 10-minute plus one mm-hmm. um, for all the trains for the 250 class. Because, I don't know, last year I kind of thought it was a joke, how it was, I think it was the first one, like six minutes plus, yeah, or, plus yeah. four yeah. minutes or something. Yeah. You know, and it was like, yeah, that kind of was a joke to me. But now it's like the real deal because you're, you're essentially the ticket you guys are racing 30 minutes plus three laps. and That's, like, that's a lot. I yeah. Mean, that's a lot for outdoors, but freaking in Supercross, that's gnarly. <laughs> you know, so that's a whole different ball game. And the 450 guys are racing even more than that. So um, I know I think Atlanta is one triple crown, and I'm not sure what the other one is. Oh, Houston maybe. Um, I think it's Houston, which that that's going to be a West race, so. Yeah, I think it's Houston. Okay, so yeah, that's West. So, yeah. yeah, well, I guess we'll only see one of them, so it's not a big deal. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's kind of a nice twist, I guess, on on the sport. You know, well, I'm glad they're not doing it every weekend. That's for right, sure, right. Well, I, you say that. I was about to say I went to A2, and as a fan, as not just like a, obviously we we don't see it the, the same way y'all do. As a fan, it it was awesome. I'm ready for them to do it every round, but. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I know the other thing I will say from watching it last year, I thought it kind of, you know, when you get to the main event and you have one main event, 250-450, like I think it's kind of like prestigious, where when you have three, it's like if you win, it's just not quite as prestigious. That's me. a good point. Yeah. It's just not quite as big of a deal, you yeah. know. I don't, and that's the only well, thing is that you have like this climax for the last, you know, main event of, of each class that, and it kind of climaxes where in the in the three main formats, you don't quite get that feeling. Right, right. the The argument I keep hearing is like, if you go to a football game, you don't watch the like the bench play first or the the you know the the second team play first. It's the stars right away, and that's kind of how they're trying to say. Well, it's the you, it, with the super, with Supercross, you get the stars the whole night, but. I'm a big music fan, you know, and you go see Metallica, there's an opening band. You build up to the to the to the main stage. It's you know? always about music. So <laughs> I can kind of see both sides of it. I love seeing the LCQ. I think that should be televised no matter what. I think those guys deserve some TV time and it's great racing usually. Yeah. I, I feel like they could maybe tweak the program a little bit more, but I they're definitely working on it, trying to make it better. Um, but I see both sides. Oh, yeah, no, I think I think it's uh, exciting. At least they're you know they're trying to evolve the sport and yeah, get better viewing for the fans. So you can't fault them on that. No, Alex, man, thank you so much for uh, giving us some time tonight. Can't wait to see you in a couple weeks. Um, we won't be at that race. I guess the first race we'll see yeah will be actually Dallas, but definitely be watching okay. on NBC Gold. And uh, man, hope to see you. Uh, you know, hope to see you win one anyway. I want to see you get a get a get a win. And get then uh, your 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 dad, producer Joe, on the main event moto show, he'll be happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I'm. Uh, that's the plan, boys. So, yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it, and I'll see you in Dallas. All right, Alex, take take care, buddy. Thanks. Hey, see you guys. All right. He seems right. positive, like yeah, like, he's like really excited. Well, yeah, and I like his attitude. I, I think a lot of the guys are really going to that. I don't have to win every race. I don't have to go wide open and hang, you know, put my balls on the the crossbar as they say, you know, and, and just pin it to win it. You, you, you know what I say? 
we need Ricky and Stu back. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'd, I'd love to have uh, those guys back because honestly, but not 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 necessarily Ricky. We need Ricky back racing. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what? I don't. He's not as bad no, on TV much as he has year. been. He has much obviously better. worked on it. Now, yeah, he still says stuff like "I seen that," yeah. and that drives me crazy. Kind of like when you text me all the time and you mean were, but you spent you, you keep putting where. You've done it like three times in the last couple of days. Like that, I don't know. You're supposed to type were, but you put where. And it drives me crazy. And he says seen when it should have been saw, but whatever. He's getting better. He's working on it. Commercial break. Are we going to a commercial break? Yeah, I'm tired of you. Like, this, is, this is not like an English class. It should be. It's grammar 101. <laughs> all right, well, let's take a break and we'll be back with uh, Jacob Hayes. Next guest of the night is brought to you by All Sport Dynamics. Riding and racing dirt bikes, protection is key. All Sport Dynamics are hands down the best wrist braces available. Trusted by many top pros such as Weston Pike, Joey Savacci, and Adam Ciancerillo, as well as NFL, Major League Baseball players, and top bull riders. Visit motocrosswristbrace.com and follow them at wristbraceguy on Instagram. Next guest of the night is uh, Mr. Jacob Hayes from Cycle Trader Rock River, the number 156. What's up, Jacob? What's happening, boys? Oh, man, just uh, sitting here trying to stay warm in this cold Texas weather. But uh, excited to talk cold to you. Texas? It is, man. Yeah. That that Arctic whatever freeze thing has, like, made it down. To, it's, like, been in the 30s every Yeah, it's 40 here. degrees right now. That's not good. No, it, it sucks. <laughs> it's not. Thankfully, this weekend when I went racing, it was actually pretty nice. It warmed up for two days. You should be. Okay. All right. You should be used to that cold stuff this time of year when you were doing arena cross. Y'all go to all the cold worst cities ever. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm used to it. I guess <laughs> I'm body kind of adapts to it over over a period of time. But I wouldn't say I'm used to it. I, I tried to run from it this year. I went to Australia, so it was um, summertime over there, and then I spent my time in California. So I'm kind of running from the cold right now. <laughs> right. Well, hey man, so I had to get permission from your, uh, your, your, what your team manager or whatever you whatever you want to call it, Daniel, not your team manager, but your yeah. your agent, agent your agent t- yeah. Daniel Blair to get permission to get you on here. But um, I want to know after your fifth place at Oakland if you kind of rubbed it in his nose a little bit. No, he just uh, we were actually. I mean, the night went really well. We've just been kind of working um, on little things during the week. It's. Uh, not been anything massive that I've I've been missing on the weekends. It's just little bits here and there. And, uh, I felt like we put the puzzle pieces together kind of at Oakland. Felt like I executed practice really well. But and I was I was pretty bummed with with myself in the heat race. Um, I felt like I was up front and should have made a couple quick passes uh, to get into the lead. But I just I didn't take full advantage of it. I was uh, being a little too patient and. Um, let that one slip uh, slip away. I mean, uh, Jimmy Dakota was on really good. He come up and, and passed and got the win. So Daniel agent was not happy about that one. <laughs> so we still still have work to do. I mean, yeah, we ended the night good with a fifth, but um, I said it before, man. It's just uh, it's very humbling and you know feel grateful for where I'm at. But I, I still feel like I'm off and I still have a lot to work on. Yeah, you looked really good out there. We um and we've been watching because. A lot of it is because Daniel Blair, but also um, I've been a big proponent of arena cross. I hated seeing it go away and all that kind of stuff. How does, like, are you, like, if they would have continued arena cross, would you have stayed there racing? Was that, like, were you happy there kind of a situation, or were you constantly looking to get into Supercross? 
I wouldn't say that's a million-dollar question, but it's definitely a high-dollar question. Um, I love my team. I love the the whole Babbitt's Monster Jam's little Kawasaki team. Yeah. Um, I spent a lot of time with them. We built together as a team, built myself just um, over the years. And, you know, I, I did hate to see the series go where I kind of just kind of got my career kick-started again. You know, I was a well-known amateur, but just fought, fell off the face of the earth for two years and then got back going in arena cross and really made a name for myself. And those guys were a big part of it. They they supported me through a lot. And, um, man, I don't know. Uh, I know there would have been a good – good offer a good chunk of money on the table so to uh to have that on the table and then the cycle trader rock river yamaha deal come up um supercross was always where my heart lied i always felt uh i belonged here um i felt like i, I really had a lot to offer it's just getting there you know it's it's a very very tough sport and it's hard to do it on your own it really is and especially with the level of competition nowadays it's it's man it's it's insane and um to be able to to get this opportunity to get out there and, and race with the boys is awesome. Did you did you do a lot of the like amateur arena crosses coming up as a like when, as a young mini bike rider or getting onto the big bikes? Definitely, I think I did my first one when I was probably seven or eight. Yeah, did a bunch on the fifties, and then um, would always do like the amateur day stuff, and just always went and watched them. Man, I thought it was really cool. So um, when I was you know just doing nothing. Uh, I'm going to be honest, doing nothing, honestly, just sitting around. Um, buddy bought me a bike, and I was like, man, I think I could be pretty good at arena cross. You know, I knew yeah. Supercross was a lot bigger scale, and there would be a lot of money that would uh, have to be put up front, and I had zero dollars. So um, I, I hopped in with a buddy and went to the first arena cross and just kind of blindfolded and went for it wide open and uh, opened some doors right away. And, yeah, it's been uh, been fulfilled ever since. Well, we have a couple. We have a, I guess, a show friend that um, runs a Nitro Arena Cross stuff. And man, Arena Cross isn't dead. It's just um, kind of a bummer that the AMA part went away. It is. I think it will come back because I do think Arena Cross is big. I, I think a bunch of people like doing it. It's not as much money as the Supercross, and you know, you don't have to do as many. Um, traveling and you know all the all all the money that goes into supercross so i do like arena cross i think it's really good man i learned so much there uh it it made me who i am today as a rider and uh mentally physically just well-rounded so uh i'm a big fan of it yeah definitely uh what's the you, you knew that supercross was bigger and there was more uh you know a lot more riders probably a, a lot more fast riders in the supercross series but what was what's the most surprising thing so far after these first four rounds? It's been a uh, – if you'd asked me after the first round, I would have said nothing. Um, but now after four, um, uh, it's been a mixture of, of a couple things. Um, practice caught me off guard uh, at Anaheim. I, I was really surprised how everyone just wide them from the time the guy <laughs> waved the green flag. Yeah. Everyone's just out there just like basically – moving people out of the way like you either move or get moved is how it goes so that kind of caught me off guard and then um the the aspect of all that like analyzing that goes into it, all the video all the data um i never dealt with any of that in arena cross obviously just because you had one set of loops one rhythm and one yeah, catapult yeah. so there wasn't really much to analyze there but with supercross i mean i come back after free practice we analyze a little bit 
I know what I need to do in the first time. And then after the first time, we analyzed quite a bit. I mean, pretty much the whole break in between there, trying to figure out where I can be a tenth better here on each segment. And um, it just really gets broken down. And it's it's pretty wild, to be honest. And it's kind of opened my eyes up, and it's made me become a better rider just watching the video and taking all that the people around me are, are telling me and just kind of taking all the information and being kind of like a sponge, just absorbing all of it. Are y'all running like dart fish or just watching videos of you riding? Honestly, I don't even know what the <laughs> okay, the is it an overlay? Is, is it an overlay? Where yeah. It's, yeah. Okay. The dart fish. Yeah. 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 Yep. We're using that, and then um, you know they they have obviously the lit pro stuff, and then they have just a video camera strictly on me. And they have someone you know we'll pick a rider like Adam or or Nichols or Shane or Fernandez, and then we can do like you said the the dart fish and and kind of do that. But uh, yeah, it's it's pretty wild. Yeah, that's that's got to be a little overwhelming, I guess, when you're when you just kind of get thrown right into it. Um, but I mean, you're, you're you're adjusting well, clearly. I mean, you're you're eighth in points. You're improving your positions with the fifth this week. Um, I mean, you're you're right where I feel like you probably sh- would want to be. I mean, I know you'd love to win, but I I can't imagine that you're at all unhappy with your results so far. No, I've been extremely happy with yeah. my progression since the first round. Um, I really didn't want to race my first Supercross, a mutter, but it just kind of <laughs> fell into fell into my lap like that, so I had to take it as it came and, and go with the punches. But uh, once I got that one out of my under my belt, uh, I felt really good. I just felt like just calm after that. I felt like the first one was just, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I was overwhelmed. Um, I don't even know what I was thinking and how one. I was just, I, I think it was strictly instincts and, um, you know, just muscle memory when I was yeah. riding. I, I don't even remember what was going on. I couldn't even tell you the day right now if you asked me. <laughs> um, so I've just tried to kind of calm it down after that and really focus on myself, my riding and, um, and not letting anything kind of, get in my way or get in my head and, and trying to distract me. It's uh it's been pretty good ever since then. Just um we had a rough one at Phoenix. Well not really. I was running six and made a bonehead mistake with two to go and, and threw it away and crashed out. But uh other than that it's been, you know, a steady climb. Awesome. How about the uh you got to run a uh your first triple crown and as a fan we really like those. Some riders like them, some riders don't. What are your thoughts on it? I enjoy it. I thought that um, the Triple Crown format would suit my style a little bit better just because I have done multiple main events for years Dash now for in arena cross. Yeah, exactly. You know, the two-lap um, or the two-rider, two-lap deal, mm-hmm. um, the head-to-head racing. Yeah. So I, I felt like that was going to be good, uh, and I, I enjoyed it. I mean, it's a lot more racing. Uh, it's, I mean, after the first one, I was like, okay, how long we got thinking they'd take probably, you know, 30, 40 minutes. And I got, by the time I got off the track, back to the truck, I had 20 minutes before I had to be back to the gate. <laughs> so the turnaround time was, was intense. Yeah. Um, but it was good, man. I, I enjoyed it. I, th- I thought you had to bring your A game all three main events. And uh, I know what to kind of expect now. I didn't know what to expect. I knew it was going to be high, high intensity, but uh, no, it was awesome. I, I had a good time. I thought, uh, Got practice out of the way and then go right into the money. That's the most positive thing we've heard from. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love it. You seem like a positive guy, anyway. And I really, I, I like that. Um, so, Christina, Chris, and Christina Denny, um, 
course, we, we love them. They're, they've been helpful on the show. What's it like riding? You know, Christina's there almost every week. What's it like working for those guys? It's been amazing so far. She uh, she took me in and um, just kind of made me feel at home right off the bat. We uh, She kind of gave me a rundown of what race day would be like, so I kind of already had an idea. And then once we got, like I said, Anaheim 1 under my belt, it's just been really good. The team has gelled really well together. Uh, myself and Brandon train with uh, the same trainer, Seth Rarick, so we're pretty much on the same program. So during the weeks, we're, we're – um, we're working hard, and uh, Brandon keeps me on my toes. I keep him on his nice. toes. So we uh, we constantly make each other better. I mean, today I remember we were doing sprints, and um, he had me by two tenths. And I just remember in my head, like, wow, I'm going really fast, so he must be going really fast. So good <laughs> job for him. But, dang, I don't want him to beat me. You know right, what I mean? Like right. it's, it's that constant, you know, just rival between the, the teammates. So uh, it's good for us. It, it brings that intensity, which obviously you have on the weekends when you get – get around everyone so it uh it helps simulate race day and stuff um but christine has been incredible the whole team you know enzo suspension the the yoshimir motors have been good we've been we kind of made a couple little adjustments i was looking for a little bit of a, a more of a snappy feel right off the bottom rather than uh having to feather the clutch so we've just been kind of progressing the bike and myself and just uh everyone's been working well together great that's awesome um gringo one of our listeners was has asked um do the tracks like we know you? This is your first year in Supercross, but from what you've seen or what you thought coming into Supercross, do the tracks seem more challenging or busier than than like other seasons or what you were expecting? I don't know if this is just my personal opinion, but I feel like Anaheim one. Well, not so much Anaheim one. Well, you had the two big doubles, but at Phoenix. And at A2, the rhythm sections were beefy, boys. Like, they were big. Yes. Yeah, they were. I they was were there. Big. We watched, I watched both of those live, and it was it was big. And they hugged you straight up on some of that <laughs> stuff. They did. I mean, I just remember hitting them in practice and being like, I don't know if it's just me or what, but, like, these seem big. Like, oh, really yeah. big. Yeah. So, um, other than that, no, I feel like the tracks have been very well uh, laid out the racing has been good on all of them i don't feel like i thought a2 was going to be super one line but the way the track broke down you could kind of move around and, and pass people in different areas so i felt like all four of the tracks so far have been very well built um oakland was a little bit more of a basic build i don't know if they did that on purpose because they knew it was going to break down and get ruddy but then in the main event it was very technical because of the ruts and the back-to-back loop section and the sand section and the wall. You know, they threw a bunch of different variables at us, so it made it challenging. How, how much do you rely on the Lit Pro stuff? Like when they say this line is a 16th of a second faster than this line, like how much of that is going through your head since you're kind of new to it as the race progresses? A lot more than you guys probably think. I mean, <laughs> like when we come back, after the heat race, I knew one line on the track was certain amounts uh, or certain tenths better. So when I went out for the site lap, checked it out, and knew that's where I was going, and that was honestly one of my strong points, and that's where I made a good pass on Cameron McAdoo for fifth. Yeah. So, you know, just all those fine little details uh, make us go out there and do our job. That's amazing. It's, it's cool to hear because I really consider, because of Arena Cross, you're almost a seasoned vet, and to hear – how you see coming into Supercross almost like a 
a rookie in a way. I, I know it's a rookie Supercross, but it's really cool seeing your point of view. No, it is because we didn't deal with any of that in Arena Cross. So, you know, I did see myself as a guy that was coming in. You know, I'm 25 doing my first Supercross. That's wild. Gosh, I'm scratching my head right now thinking <laughs> about that. But, um, you know, I didn't see myself as like, wow, he's, you know, he's a, you know, a 16 year old rookie. You know, um, I felt like I had a lot of experience on the belt. I've raced a lot over my years, but I still, after Anaheim won, I walked away thinking like, wow, I, I just got my eyes open up so much. Like I felt <laughs> wow. like I, I was, yeah, I was just, it was, it was, you know, kind of like a humbling experience. Like, wow, this was, uh, good. You know, we rode good, but I still have so much to work on. And even now I still have so much to work on. Yeah. And, and that, well, that's what the first year is for, and, and you're definitely going to keep improving. Uh, we just got another question on, on our YouTube channel from Brad Ryman. He wants to know how the intensity compares from the short sprints of arena cross to the qualifying chaos. That is the two fifty a practice. I definitely think two fifty a qualifying practice is harder than an arena cross main event. By wow. Far. Wow. Um, I mean, I think there's more variables in arena cross. Like you had tough blocks coming out in front of you. You had many <laughs> yeah. lappers. Right, right. But the intensity that is in the 250A time qualifying practice, I mean, I'm telling you guys at Oakland, I thought I set the world on fire on one lap and I qualified fifth. You know what I mean? So <laughs> for me to freaking be out there wide open, I'm talking everything I had in me. And to get fifth and I was still off, you know, a second from Fernandez, that I mean, that's humbling right there, just to think someone is going that much faster than you and you're giving it your all. Yeah, definitely. That's that, that's that's pretty wild, man. I mean, just hearing you say that, like, it opens up my eyes to what you're dealing with. It's crazy. It's, it, it is, man. It's just, it shows you how far the sport has come because, you know, in Arena Cross, we had a couple guys like myself, Chris Blows, Gavin Faith, that would kind of go at it every weekend. You you kind of saw us on the podium quite a bit. Yeah. Um. So we knew each weekend. You know, these are the guys we got to battle. And in practice, we would all just kind of do our own thing. Like we'd throw a couple laps down, and someone would qualify first. Yep, that's he gets qualified first night. Just very laid back atmosphere to where Supercross. I mean, no one wants to qualify outside of the top three. You know what I mean? Like yeah. everyone wants the pole position. So I think that's what makes it that much more intense, and you know, it's 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 wild. Yeah, and it's funny because like I'll watch practice on the um, NBC Gold app, and you know, you're like, all right, there's eight seconds left in practice, and you think, all right, well, it's pretty much wound down, and somebody's on a hot lap on that last couple seconds, and they they set fast time, and like to the the ability to be able to do that know that the time's about to run out and then all right this is going to be my fast lap and not make a mistake is just unreal i agree uh, i definitely haven't gotten that part down just yet <laughs> where i can kind of save it in my pocket to the last one i have to throw at least a couple in there before yeah. that um like uh, i know i got um one in oakland kind of probably with about a minute to go but then shane kind of did the same thing you just said i think there was about you know 20 seconds left and i looked up i'm like man i you know i might qualify you know inside the top in top five tonight and i was i was fourth and then he bumped me back to fifth but uh yeah i mean it is it's all to put that in and, and know in your head okay this is my last one and to make it your best one yeah you gotta you gotta cross cross your eyes and dot the t's yeah for sure well so you've 
what, three Supercrosses in now. Four. Is it four? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sorry, yeah, four. I've been to three of them. But four, uh, there's four Supercrosses in now. You're, um, you're starting to get comfortable. Have you been holding back? Because we know that you can be an aggressive rider when need be. When somebody pushes, you push back. Has there been times that you held back? Has a team said anything? Or are you just not found yourself in that situation yet? Um, I have definitely held myself back, uh, not in the <laughs> races, but in practice, because, you know, you get out there, and I know everyone's trying to be courteous and get their laps in and stuff, but you, you get up on a couple people that, you know, they're, they're still doing their practice as well, but I try to be courteous to everyone because, you know, we're all out there trying to do the best we can do, but some people just kind of, I don't know if it's on on purpose or, or what, but they just seem to to kind of hold you up. And I've definitely been down on my tongue a couple of times, like, Jacob, do not do it right now. This is not the time to do that in practice. <laughs> so I've definitely kind of, like, pulled up, like, made myself completely get away from the guys and, and just let them go. But in the main event, no, I haven't really been in that situation. But also the tracks aren't like Arena Cross. You know, Arena Cross, the speed's, were way down. Yeah. The corners were a lot tighter. So, like, you know, say in Oakland, if I if I came up on the in, inside of someone, they're going to know about it because there's a lot of room from the tough block to the corner. So you don't oh, really yeah. see a whole lot of the car banging as you did in Arena Cross just because you have a lot more room. But I don't know. that, that Like you said, that scenario hasn't really played out to me yet. I, I got Cameron pretty, pretty good. <laughs> I kind of had him as I went into the corner. So, um, no, I haven't uh, haven't found myself uh, in too many altercations yet. All right, so my last question, we're going to change the subject just a little bit. Um, you've been helping, you know, Evan Blair a little bit, you know, I think with some pointers here and there. Did you go to the Supercross Futures at Oakland? I was not able to watch the Oakland one, but I watched oh. um, A2. Okay, I, the reason I ask is Daniel posted, and I think Maggie did also, the – the, the video of Evan hucking that double. And we I know I've heard Daniel say many times, like he doesn't want him jumping some of those bigger doubles. And I was wondering if you have been helping get his confidence up where he can do some of that stuff and maybe tell Daniel, chill out, man. Um, well, I mean, Daniel's turned into a full motor dad now. <laughs> right. Uh, he is, and I right? Do, he, uh, Evan went out for practice, or it was a heat race, and um, I guess it wasn't the result that Daniel had set for him. And, <laughs> I mean, he was over kicking rocks in the pits and, like, just – you could see steam blowing out of his ears. I'm like, dude, calm down. Like, he's he's fine. Um, so I've just, you know, tried to take what I've learned over my years. And, I mean, obviously Daniel does a lot, but this is his first, you know, 50-dad experience. So right. I'm trying to help him about, you know, when I was that age, this is what I kind of struggle with. And we're just trying to, like – build a plan for him that way you know he's he's learning as he goes through and he's not doing anything crazy and not laying himself on the ground and get hurt and stuff like that well yeah. at those supercross futures his one of his boys classes was right in front of my son's class so i was down there and i was going to go by and talk to daniel and say what's up and i saw him during the heat race staring at his boy with his eyes like like beaded down like lasers his, and his head shaking <laughs> his head shaking because you could tell he wasn't happy and i'm like nah, i'm gonna leave him alone <laughs> Oh, you showed one of them and said, "Man, what's happening? You need a you need a hug." Right, oh, yeah, you need a right. Smile? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Daniel's such a great guy, and Evan, man, that kid. You know, I I met him for the first time at Glendale. Of course, 
we had him on the show the night you were over there in the garage, I think. But, uh, I, you know, I introduced myself to Evan, kind of played Legos with him a little bit. And when I went to leave that afternoon, Evan chased me down to the pits and gave me a hug. I'm like, all right, this is my favorite kid ever now. He's, he's my number one. He, he only says that because Ryder DeFrancesco cut his hair off. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ryder no, was, Evan's a good, good little dude. Yeah, for sure. Man, uh, Jacob, thank you for coming on tonight. Um, it was really great meeting you uh, at A1, and, uh, you know, I, I appreciate you giving us some time and look forward to seeing you again soon. We'll be at Dallas. Well, you won't be at Dallas, though, so Houston, I guess. Yeah, I'll be at Houston. No, it's been great uh, chatting with you guys. It's been fun coming on, and, um, yeah, look forward to seeing you guys again. All right, man, you have a good night and uh, good luck this weekend. Thank you so much. See you guys. All right, see you. Jacob Hayes. Um, so we've got – Less than 10 minutes before Jeff Ward, so let's take another break and get Wardy we'll be back on. with Wardy. What's up, you guys? Jeremy McGrath here. You are listening to Moto X Pod Show. Since 1998, Fly Racing has been focused on developing the best gear possible. With research and development, they have become a leader in safety and comfort. Fly Racing is worn by many of the top athletes in motocross and supercross, including Weston Pike, Blake Baggett, Zach Osborne, Andrew Short, Damon Bradshaw, and Adam and Tyler Antonap. I wear fly wear fly too. 2019 fly racing line includes the popular light hydrogen, the new evolution DST line, the all new women's light line, a redesigned F2 helmet, the FR5 boot, and zone and zone pro goggles. Fly racing also has hard parts for mountain bike products and snow gear. Go to flyracing.com or check out your local dealer for more info. Hey Kylie, does your husband have to deal with leaking shafts? No way, Kathy. He uses Shock Socks, the original and number one 10 second removable fork sill protector. Looks like the best way to keep grit and grime out of your fork sills. So, if you don't want the headache and expense of constantly replacing fork sills, get Shock Socks. Go to shocksocks.com and visit them on Facebook to pick your color. And don't forget, they are available for street bikes too. Darkside here. Are you guys in the market for a set of new custom graphics? Are you tired of the same old basic layouts the big box companies offer? Well, if so, then you need to check out MX Girl Designs. From custom graphic kits, stickers, reproductions, and even vintage, MX Girl does it all. Call or text Char at 936-828. 1472 or email char char at mxgirl.com and that's mxgirl g-u-r-l and tell her moto xpod sent you mad jack synthetics is an independent dealer of amsoil synthetic oils amsoil has been around for 45 years and was the first company to bring synthetics to the general public in 1972 since then amsoil has led the way in application specific oils and fluids designed solely for your cars trucks motorcycles boats and more we understand what your needs are when it comes to protecting your investments, whether it be your motorcycles or the vehicle you use to transport your motorcycles. Dane Evans and Mad Jack Synthetics is nationwide with customers and warehouses all across the USA and Canada. By joining the preferred customer program, anybody can buy Anzoil products factory direct at wholesale pricing. Want to stock it at your shop or use it on your fleet of vehicles for your business? 
would you like to become an Anzoil dealer and have a tax write-off for your trips to the track or trail and start selling Anzoil to your friends and fellow racers? With Anzoil, you get free shipping on orders over $100, even when you are a wholesale customer. Contact Dane Evans to find out how it all works. We at Mad Jack Synthetics are riders and racers just like the guys at the Moto X-Pod show. We know what you need to keep you in the game week in and week out. Amazon Incorporated is a sponsor of many of your favorite series. Snowcross, ATV MX, Daytona Bike Week, the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally, GNCC, King of the Hammers, Hot August Nights Car Show, and Motorcycle Mechanics Institute. Contact Dane and tell him the Moto X-Pod show sent you. Let him help you save money on your maintenance using Amsoil. Contact Dane at 805-531-9551 or toll free at 855-623-5225 or at madjackdiesel.shopamsoil.com. Like us and contact us on Facebook at Dane Amsoil Guy, on Twitter at Dane underscore Evans 393, and on Instagram at Dane underscore Amsoil Guy. What's up, Moto X Pod listeners? This is Darkside, and as motocross racers, one of our top priorities is safety. That's why Allsport Dynamics wrist braces are one of my favorite products. Allsport Dynamics sees themselves as the Picasso of safety braces. Their passion for design and developing beautiful braces never stops. They've had the privilege to work with some of the largest names in the sports industry and have established a reputation for always bringing innovation to the table with every brace. For the pro chasing the championship or the six-year-old whose mom wants to avoid a broken bone, please try Allsport Dynamic Wrist Braces. Go to motocrosswristbrace.com or check out Instagram at wristbraceguy or call 936-569-1003 and ask for Jeff Brewer or Gary White. And keep in mind, these are the wrist braces that Justin Bogle, Joey Savacci, Weston Pike, Adam Cianciarello, Matt Gerke, and Brock Tickleware in their pro careers. Check them out, All Sports Dynamic Braces. Oh man, we are back, and I am, uh, this is one of my favorite, I, I, my, this is one of the guests I've been waiting on a long time, it's one of my favorite riders of all time, and he's brought to you by, brought to you by Fly Racing tonight, I'm not even going to read the whole ad. On the line is uh, Mr. Jeff Ward, what's up, five time? Hey, how you doing? It's actually seven time, I guess, if we count Supercross too. Out there, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, before we get started, I'm going to tell you, as a kid, at about 9, 10 years old, I didn't know much about motocross at all. Um, but I started watching a little bit, you know, on Wide World of Sports. They'd show Carlsbad or whatever once in a while. And I became a Jeff Ward fan. And, dude, you just it's, it's, so, it's an honor to finally have gotten to meet you and talk to you. Oh, cool. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. So, um, so how are things going with you right now? What have you been up to? Oh, I got things going good. I've been doing some, uh, just a lot of mountain bike races, and doing, I'm going to be doing the uh, American Flat Track Series. I'm going to be doing five TT races. Oh, nice. Um, starting at Daytona on the 14th of March is the first one at uh, the Daytona Speedway. So, um, this last year, I had a couple friends that have a track, Blackmore Ranch, went and did some TT flat track. I used to race flat track when I was growing up as a kid and had a steel shoe, and TT and, and I had a great time and had some guys out there that raced the series and I was hanging with them and having fun and I'm like it'd be cool to go do just some TT not the miles or half miles just because that's just a whole different deal where TT is a little bit more like the supermoto stuff I did so yeah um 
I just thought it'd be kind of fun to just jump in and see what I could do and another challenge and, uh, have, you know, have some fun at it. Flat tracks on, a, um, you know, the big role right now, it's growing, it's got good TV package and it would just be kind of fun to go there and support another motorcycling event and, you know, sport that, uh, you know, that's what I grew up on was riding bikes. Yeah. So what do something to help out and, and have fun at the same time. It'd, it'd be cool. Yeah, one of our listeners, Tony Cutler over in New Zealand, he actually wanted to ask about the flat track. You know, what do you what are your expectations for going out there and running that series? Where do you think you'll be? Well, I don't know. I mean, I think I'm still pretty good on a bike. <laughs> um, I'm in better shape now than I was when I did Supermoto. Oh wow! Um, I went on that, so I don't see why I can't run up front. Um, and you know, I'm sure I'll make mistakes. And when you know, when you run dirt track, track tires on dirt and you're turning right and left, it's you know, it's a little bit different. Um, I should be pretty decent at that compared to running like a blue groove and looking for, you know, traction on a big mile or half mile. Right. Um, you know, it's just a whole different thing. I've never done it, but I I've, I think I would catch on at some point. Yeah, but, um, I, I would only imagine. But, but the TT stuff is a little bit more up my alley a little bit because you got the jumps and you are turning right and you do have a front brake and um, it's a motorcycle. So you're 450, which I've, I've raced, so I should be able to, figure it out and have fun it's just depending on uh if i can keep my body in one piece it'll be good yeah 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 that's what that's one thing i was going to bring up we i have I've got a friend of mine um ted york friend of ours that we've known he's a older gentleman now i think he's about 60 now about four or five years ago he weeded himself he's always raced flat track and he's like the older i get the harder that flat track ground is out there <laughs> yeah yeah no you, you think about it a little more than you did when you were younger, you know, even when I did Supermoto, I, mean, I won the gold medal at X, I was 48. So, yeah. um, you know, I crashed pretty hard quite a few times during 41 years old to 48, 49 when I was still racing at the pavement and the hay bell, you know, so I was still pretty strong. And like I said, I, I feel I'm in, I know I'm in better shape than I was then, but that doesn't mean that my body is stronger than it was. It just means I got better cardio and, you know, I'm doing a little more, less weight. So, well, um, Hopefully, I don't have to test that out at all. So, well, two reasons um, why you, I believe, you have such a great following. At least the reason why I have always looked up to you is, like me, I've always said if if we if we had two pogo sticks in here and somebody wanted to race me at pogo sticks, I'm going to get on those pogo sticks and race them. And you've always been that way, just whatever it can to be racing. And you're not afraid to say, I think I can run up front, like the guys back yeah. in the day with Hannah, all the way through the, the guys that you were racing with. It's it was always there was. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it wasn't politically correct, but it was, I can win, and I don't care if you don't think I can. I think I can. <laughs> right. Right. So you're, you're yeah. a, oh, go ahead. You, I was going to say your accomplishments, your list is just a mile long. I mean, five-time motocross champ, two-time supercross champ, seven times at MX of Nations, uh, second place at Indy 500, Motorcycle Hall of Fame, Motorsports Hall of Fame, on and on and on. Is there any one thing that just stands out as like your most proudest achievement? Um, I mean, they're all pretty good. I mean, motocross came natural to me. I, I mean, I started when I was four, whatever it was, age three, four, five, and raced, and that's all I did. That's all I knew. So when I got to pro, that's all I knew. So it just came natural, and nothing was overwhelming, and even going into the stadiums, you know, racing your heroes like Marty Smith or, you know, I still felt confident I could do it, but, big, you know, like 
for me, going into Indy cars, had never driven a go-kart or raced a car in my whole life. Oh, wow, okay. I had motocross, so it was just something. I, I had a friend, Paul Tracy, who was running with Penske at the time. I went with him to Indy, and he's like, you should do this. I'm like, there's no way. And he's like, oh, sure, you can. You know, here, here, let me help you. You know, here's a team. You can run some Indy Lights races. And so he kind of got me on the, the roll, and I was kind of looking for something to do, and um, it just kind of worked out. But that's probably being in Indy for your first time is really – I raced it seven times, and even the seventh time, you still have the same feelings as you do. It's just overwhelming with 400,000 people and um, – just the magnitude of it it's just a lot different and something i wasn't used to experiencing so it made it even more nerve-wracking and um so yeah just that kind of that sticks in the mind more than um you know anything else probably yeah. you know probably within my first championship uh, which took a long time on the 125 that was finally getting the monkey off your back <laughs> but it still wasn't as still wasn't as nerve-wracking as racing the Indy 500 never having really done many races before yeah i can yeah i can i can't really even imagine that you know and i was there for your win at texas that was pretty awesome we're based out of texas by yeah. the way oh yeah cool yeah that was a cool one there yeah that was a good race. that's the only indie race i've ever been to and like one of my heroes won <laughs> so that was pretty maybe that was your good luck maybe i should have went to india yeah there you go <laughs> went to india. That been really cool yeah so, um, man, like all we've heard all the stories through the years about you and RJ battling, and um, I mean, what a fantastic time in moto that was. But currently, you know, I, I, you know what the racing's like now. Um, Technology is a big part of the racing now. Maybe the the talent is a little bit less as important. Not, I mean, not that it, they're not talented riders, but in your day, I mean the bikes were very different, you know, I mean, well, like even from factory to factory, like one year, the Hondas may not be very good, but the Kawasaki's were really good. They're a lot more even now. Um, you know, what do you think about the progression of the sport? And do you feel like you raced in a better era just for the racing? I don't know. I got Chad Reed right here. We we could ask him that question. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'm with, I'm with Chad right now. He just came in. Oh, nice. Yeah, um, we we tell Chad. Hey, Darkseid says what's up. I mean, and I wish we tried to get him on, but he he hasn't. Uh, yeah. he's been busy. Yeah, we just mountain bike. We're just doing some TV thing for Australia for Boost Mobile, and then we're going karting tomorrow. And oh, cool. Stuff. So he came over. I just came. He just came over to the house that we're at that we we're doing the filming. So yeah. So when you asked about it, he walked in. So <laughs> <laughs> didn't look interested in, in uh, answering the question. Right. So, well, what are your thoughts on that, though? I mean, you know, look, you guys, you raced in the day, the you know, the, the era of the men, you know. I mean, there wasn't Dartfish and all this technology yeah. and, and EFI. I mean, you guys had to go out there and hope the bike didn't bog. And, or break in half. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, there's, there's a lot of challenges and on all sides. But, you know, even now I ride the 450, and, you know, there's a challenge in getting over stuff because it's at the limit. Everything – that we've done like i raced whatever bike it was i raced it to its limit there was no way jeremy mcgrath or anybody else was going to go beyond that limit that's you know we were at the limit of that bike and the limit we could go on the track and just like every you know i think like any other sport even car racing you know they're at the limit back from senna those Mm -hmm. guys are driving you know and even further back than that and you know it's hard to really say who what was harder what was you know i mean we trained hard still train hard um, it still takes a ton of talent, um, no matter what year it was or when it was. And, 
Um, I just always look at it as like, I mean, I raced the you know the X Games with the Supermoto, which is a motocross bike with slip tires on, and yeah. you got dirt on them on pavement, and it's like I don't know how much traction I got with dirt on slick tires on pavement. I have to adapt to what the bike's telling me and to what I feel, you know, through the bike. And it's not like I've, I'm a specialty at it and, I'm, you know, and somebody else coming in doesn't know as much as me. So I would look at it to where I went to the X Games and I had everybody there. I mean, Sean was there, Henry was there, McGrath yep. was there, yep. Reed, was, Reed was there, Wyndham was there, Stewart was there. And, you know, and I won on the thing. So it's like, I, you know, I have talent riding a motorcycle. So I Absolutely. think if you were to put me in, in any era, no matter where it was, you know, I'd have been winning races just because of how bad I wanted to win it. And then the talent I have on a motorcycle, whether I'd be, whether I would have won as much or, you know, because I had a lot of good guys, you know, yeah. in my era too that won races that were in the same position I was in. Or I would have had another, you know, type where there wasn't as many guys and I would have won more, you know, if RJ right, wasn't right. there. Too. I'd have 10 championships if RJ and Stanton wasn't there, I'd have three more. <laughs> yeah, you exactly. Know? So it's like, I had to have these one guys in there, or two or three guys in there that were just as bad, you know, as tough as I was, and there was, you know, no room for mistakes or errors or injuries. Right. One of our so. listeners, Gringo, asked if you could do something different looking back and you've got so many accomplishments, but in your motocross and your supercross career, like, is there something that you would do different or that you would tell the younger guys now that they need to do different or something along those lines? Well, I mean, I, it's like anything you have to kind of, I mean, training's a real big part of it now. And the younger the kids are now doing a lot more before they get into the pros. And, you know, it's not enough because you just can't do that at a young age. But they're, you know, they're learning to be in the gym. They're learning to cycle. They're learning to do more than just go ride their motorcycle and play in the hills. And, you know, because once you become the pro in the big time, you really have to be an athlete, you know, not just a guy that rides a bike on the weekend and a couple times during the week when he feels like it. You have to be at the peak of your performance so that when you're off days, you're only off 2%, you know. Yeah. Guys can ride, guys can ride fast, and there's guys that can win races a week, you know. This yeah. week, but then that when they fall off of because they're tired, their their fall off is twenty percent, you know, and you just and it's hard to get back up to that top, you know, percent again because they're just not in the shape they need to be in. Yeah. Um, so that's how I kept my career going pretty well. Is I trained as hard as I could every time I could, and kept my consistency throughout the whole year. Even when I was a little tired, I wasn't near as tired as you know other guys because of the how hot it was or week in and week out of races so right I, I love the story that i've heard you you and rj tell about the day at the practice track and i um i think rj called it the flower track or whatever where like yeah you that, yeah. yeah you're both there you 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 run out of gas because you're not gonna stop and then he's like oh crap <laughs> i'm not gonna stop and i i guess yeah. you took off and he was like thank god so yeah yeah ran out of gas so it's like i was out of there yeah 45 minutes or 50 minutes of 100 degrees or something too so it was yeah. our second moto or he pulled in when it was my second moto his first moto i come back because i was that's when you know, i loaded up and then left so he was right. like thank god yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, so, just... yeah we were full right we never said a word to each other and we weren't parked but probably 100 yards from each right. other maybe that far that's awesome well there's a yeah, you got you have Chad Reed over there, and he's a lot like you. He's willing to say what he thinks. He's willing to say, "Hey, I think I can win tomorrow, no matter who's up here." But that's mm -hmm. not that's not the normal of what we see out of the cookie cutter answer stuff. 
Why do you think that is? Why do you think riders, do you think they're scared to put, like, what they feel out there or what? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they, I don't know. I mean, maybe deep down inside, they, I don't know, maybe they don't feel it. I don't know. Uh, I was just in a different position. I mean, I didn't start winning. It took me four years to win a Supercross race, you know, so um, there was something in there that showed I wasn't going to give up, you know. It was like I still felt if, if I had anything, if I would have had that in me, I wouldn't have never won a race, you know, to go that long and, you know, but I just knew I had the talent. And at the time, our bikes weren't that great. You know, we didn't have the best bikes in Cali for quite a few years. Right. So they were pretty you know, I was pretty patient with that. And then, you know, at the time I wasn't quite, when the bikes got good, I, was, I wasn't quite ready yet either. So I was kind of a late bloomer and, and even with my strength and stuff. So, um, but I don't know. I mean, I think some of the guys are, um, I don't know. Maybe there's just too much media now, you know, with you just, it's like, if you say anything, it just gets spread. And it's like, you know, if you do an interview like this and you say, yeah, I can win and da, 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 it just kind of goes to the people that read it. But it seems like, you know, everybody just sees everything you say. and Yeah. Well, and there's a so, lot of know, keyboard warriors out there. Yeah, I don't think they like seeing that when somebody says, you know, I should have won or I could have won. And, you know, I made this mistake and everybody makes it sound like you're a whiner. And then it's like, it's that. And it's like, well, it's just the truth. You know, I should have won. I made a mistake or I was sick. But nowadays you can't say that anymore because everybody's like, you know, you're making excuses. And, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, uh, it's it's just the you just have to be confident and you know Reed's confident for sure. I mean he wouldn't be out there if he didn't think he could win. He knows it's a uphill battle, right? And it's uh, it's you know it's uh, he's a thirty. I mean for as long as he's been doing it, nobody. I mean he's got all the records and it's amazing. Yeah, he can still have that passion to want to do it. You know it's a lot of years of getting hurt, that's fighting what... and coming back, and but he just loves it, and that's you know that's a lot um, coming from you. To say to say that that yeah. person has a lot of fight, like from somebody from you who is, like, how old are you now? Uh, fifty-seven. Fifty-seven years old, and you're about to start racing TT. That's <laughs> rad, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm a I'm a rookie. Yeah, that's that's so <laughs> awesome, man. Like guys like you, and like d seeing Dubok, you know, just, ah, man, it makes me. I, you know, you have people that are friends of art, like my friends that don't race, don't think about it. And like, when are you going to stop? You're getting old. I'm 43. I'm like, dude, there's a plus 50 class. There's a plus 60 class. I'm going to stop. Yeah, I'm going to stop when I physically can't get on the bike anymore. Yeah. Well, when you stop is when you get old. Exactly. Like, you know, I mean, keep your body moving. As long as you just don't get any serious injuries, it'll keep doing it. But as soon as you stop and then it just shuts down, just you'd be just like somebody else that's out of shape and can't right. do anything. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, so, so I mean, I know I can't do stuff, you know, even mountain biking. And I mean, I just remember the days when I could just go forever, and it seemed like you had endless strength. And I still have the strength, but it doesn't go forever anymore. Right. You know, and you just have to deal deal with it. But I want to be the best I can be for fifty seven year olds, you know, or whatever I can, you know, get out of myself and and suffer doing without causing any harm. I guess. Right. <laughs> um. Yeah, it seems it's fun. I enjoy it, and I enjoy the people around me that you know come with me and, and enjoy you know mountain biking and cycling and, and motorcycles. So absolutely. So to, in today's era, I mean, obviously training, like we talked about, is a big part of the sport. These guys have professional trainers. Uh, you know, all this technology of where their heart rate's at, knowing everything they're supposed to eat. Um, but yet, you know, some of these guys they go out at an outdoor national, and after two motos, they're spent. But back in your day, you're riding 250s and 500s. You're riding two classes. Um, 
what do you think made that difference for you that you were able to do that? I don't know. Um, I don't know. I just, I just like challenging myself when yeah. I was training. I mean, cause I did biathlons and some triathlon, like swimming too much, but, um, you know, I had a mileage that I wanted to meet with the running. I had mileage that I wanted to meet with the cycling. I had my motos I needed to get in. Um, and I just loved challenging. When I had an off weekend, you know, Johnny and Omara, Bailey, we did biathlons. We'd end up going to the same biathlon and doing a, you know, a half marathon and 40-mile bike race on the Saturday off, you know, and flat out. So it's just something that is in you, you know, yeah, that uh, yeah. you just want to train. Like, it's like, I just knew if I wasn't, he was. So it was like, I just couldn't sit there and not do something because I felt tired because I know RJ would be doing it. <laughs> so then Johnny would be doing it, you know, and he'd say the same thing. It's Everything like, is a competition. Not, I love not it. Go run. Yeah. He'd say, I can't not go running because I knew you were out there. Right. He'd call me a son of a bitch because he had to go do it. <laughs> so, but then there, he's the guy and the guys that made me great because they were great. Yeah. That's so amazing. Amazing. If I went down to their level, you know, if they didn't train and I didn't train because I didn't have to train, um, then I wouldn't have been as good an athlete or as strong as, you know, it's just you're, you're only as good as your competition, basically. So, right. Um, without those guys, yeah, I wouldn't have been as good or as strong or as, or as, in, as good a shape. Man. And really, Barnett's the one that started it. Like, Hannah was an animal too, but then Barnett came around that was just like a human i don't know what he was but i don't know if he was human but he was just like a machine block right. yeah i mean he just was he was a man when we were a kid even though he was only like a year older than us right right he was you know that's kind of what it looked like we were just little kids and then there's, there's this guy that's like a terminator you know that <laughs> was just foaming at the mouth to go racing in the 100 degree heat where we're under umbrellas and you know pouring water over our head and he's got his helmet on and joe's ready to go you know it was like we were defeated before we started. Right, yeah, that's a special breed. Funny, you know. That's awesome. Yeah, and then we just like, you know, if we want to beat this guy, then we got to kind of we got to start doing what we hear he's doing, and uh, that's what kind of started started going from the seventies where people it was more partying, having fun, and racing, and mm -hmm. you know, just in, and then the Hannah came in and won everything, and everybody went like, "Whoa, what happened?" <laughs> well, he's running ten miles a day, and he's not going <laughs> to. He's not going to lose. He does not want to lose. Yeah, he's elevating the sport. Yeah, so that's kind of where it went. It's, you know, it's basically the thing is where you hated losing more than you liked winning. Right. Because just because of who won. Yeah, you know? our, so. Rick, Ricky uh, Carmichael was the same way. Yep. Hated losing. Yeah. Yeah, just because the other guy won. He just hated that guy getting the. He hated him being up there. And Ricky was, RJ was uh, the worst because he was flamboyant. He made it even worse. <laughs> You know, or if I won, I would just be like, you know, walk away. I'd be great, but, but you know, Ricky could just play it up and yeah. just dig it in even more, which made even more <laughs> pissed when he won. So, or like, ba like Bailey, you didn't care so You know, I was like, yeah, Bailey won, damn it. Right. You know, but then when RJ won, you were just human because he was just living it up. Hannah was so the same way. Yeah. Hannah was doing it, too. You know, when he won, it was – and um, so that was, that was fun times, though. Absolutely. Hey, I have this memory uh, in the mid eighties, man. My dad was stationed at Pearl Harbor. Um, and I swear, did you guys come over and do a race over at Aloha stadium? Yeah, we did. Um, I can't remember. I've had to be around, uh, like, like 91 or something like that. Okay. 91 well, or 92. Well, then that was after we but, left, but I swear, it seems like they had I'm some, to... we were there in like 88, but if it was, 
like 85, 86, 80, through 88 or something. But I, I swear they had a race in there. And I, maybe maybe you guys came later, but. Yeah, I think we came later because Matasevich won. I fell. And okay. I almost caught in the last lap. And, uh, my wife, uh, now she had, they have a house over in Hawaii, and I, I was with her at that time. And I didn't meet her until like 89. So okay. um, it had to be after 89. It could have been the 89, um, 90 or 90 in that area. I just don't remember when yeah. Chicken was uh, riding real good in the 250 because he was a 125 guy. And I think he was just getting into 250 because um, I don't remember racing before. I think that's the first time he kind of won on a 250, I think. so. I yeah. got you. Yeah, I just remember uh, that's kind of the era I was over there when I was starting to get into watching the sport a little bit and and I remember like telling you how big of a fan I was of yours. My dad bought me this old Yamaha. I don't even remember what year it was. 80, you know, 80cc dirt bike is the first real dirt bike I got. But I had to have Kawasaki gear. Like my dad he had to go find me this green gear that said Kawasaki on it <laughs> while I was riding you know a Yamaha because I like I wanted to be like Jeff Ward. So that's yeah, funny. yeah. I was. I didn't know any better. I didn't. You know. I didn't know about lit kit and best dress back then. I just. I just wanted. I wanted yeah. a, gr- a green motorcycle, but I didn't get one. But I got green gear. So. Cool. Yeah. Hey, tell me about the open faced helmet and why you stuck with that as long as you did. Uh, I don't know. I I, I actually wore a full face back in like eighty one or eighty. I had when I was number twelve. I had a full face for a little bit. A bell. Um, and then I think when I went to Showy, I don't think they had a full face. Ah, uh, okay. Um, so I just started wearing the open face from like 83, maybe 82, 83. And then I just wore it you know, my whole career. And then basically I went back to a full face in like 90, I think it yeah. was because they'd stopped making open faces for about <laughs> two years. And they're like, we don't sell open face helmets. So we need the other want to get paid or yeah. you wear a full face. And they were really ugly and square and then Troy Lee worked on him and made the front piece better and yeah yeah he's the one that really got he really he's the really one that got the because he's like you can't wear that thing it's terrible <laughs> so let me work on it so they they ground the front and made like a whole new front chin strap so it looked better than a big old square thing and um so then I just started wearing it from there on out but I just like the open face just it's just something I just, raced pretty much my whole life with you're just a gnarly dude, period. Like at the way you live your life, you're just gnarly. I mean, you're the definition <laughs> of it. It's... Thanks. Hey, uh, so one of our buddies just posted up on YouTube, uh, Hal Simpson. He's a ex marine. He wants that, me to ask about your son in the in the military. Yeah, he's over in um, Iraq right now. He just called me and Facetime me just about an hour ago. Just going to bed. He's uh, he's over there for like four or five months. He's in special ops, um, intel. He's over with the Navy SEALs right now. They okay. picked him to go over there. They actually just walked through uh, Saddam Hussein's castle that, or his his thing where he took some pictures of it there that I've never seen on the news. And he's I can't remember. He's just yeah, he's just doing really good. He's in the army. He's based in Colorado Springs and awesome. Just bought a new just bought a new home there, and um, he loves it. It's all computers, and but he's you know he's right in the middle because he's the one that has to tell everybody what's going on. Yeah, I know um, what you're talking about. My son, it was just got out. 35 tango for the army he was a uh, systems maintainer computer basically computer nerd for the army kind of yeah. the same thing yeah yeah he loved it i mean he had, to, awesome. he had a briefcase on the way over there that he could he had to take it to the bathroom with him had special stuff in it yeah yeah he's all like this is weird dad you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, uh, so they, they flew into uh uh iraq into i can't remember where they flew into but they they landed at the regular international airport there Baghdad, I think it is, or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's, um, 
Yeah, that's so, like, yeah, he, it's impressive. He's loving it. I mean, he's he's he, he loves it. So cool. Um, wow. A lot of work, a lot of work, but that's his deal. Yeah, Hal, Hal says Semper Fi. So yeah, he he was special ops also. Hal was and yeah, um, yeah. Actually, my dad was a SEAL. So yeah, that's that stuff is right. uh pretty impressive. And uh, man, tell him thanks for doing what he's doing for our country. Yeah, no, he's, yeah, he's a good kid. He's just all well rounded. You know, he's just uh, smart and, and you know, and just common sense and yeah, good. Kid. You know, talks well and he's polite and he's, you know, he's got a good attitude. So yeah, he's. Just, I think that's why they like him, and they always, awesome. you know, they, he does all these tests, and they always pick him, and he does this. So it's yeah, he's he's doing good. That's awesome. So it's nice to see. Yeah, I got two other twins, boys that are doing well. One's in the Orange County Sheriff's Department here in Orange County, and then my other son's working for my father-in-law. Has a business that okay. still races a little. He did Loretta's last year, and he's in the A class now. He raced Mammoth in A, but just for fun, really. He's right. Not gonna throw. Um, and my daughter has a scholarship in Ohio for uh, soccer that she's been there, which she's freezing tomorrow. They closed the school because it's what minus twenty three degrees there. I think, tomorrow. Yeah, that's yeah. what I heard. That, so, that big, we're we're yeah, right in now. the low thirties at night into the twenties here in Texas right now. So. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, we got it good compared yeah. to that. Hey, before we, we had a seventy five degree day here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> before we let you go, and I, I know you, you're ready to get off here, probably. I want to ask you one more question. We've got a, another listener question from Brad Ryman. Um, he said, if you could pick a rider currently racing that you would compare to yourself, whether it be through their, you know, the, their intensity or their will to win style, is there anybody that you see a little bit of yourself in? Um, yeah, right now I'd probably say Cooper Webb. Okay. That's a, I, I would have picked the, that's you know? exactly what I would have said. Yeah. I mean, he's small stature, his precision, his precision is smooth. Now he's not, you know, he's not flamboyant on the bike or he's throwing it around. Um, it seems like he's working hard, you know, and, and uh, yeah, it just seems kind of kind of all-around package. It took, it's taken him a little while to get going, you know, and now he's figuring it out. And, um, yeah, I think that's definitely probably the, you know, if it was back a while ago, it'd be like Carmichael, kind of the same thing, you know. But he's, he was a little bit more wild than I was. Right? <laughs> well, <laughs> that's awesome. Jeff, man, it has been an honor to talk to you tonight. Um, I feel like I have a lot of more questions on my list, but I don't want to keep you. Um, <laughs> thank we'll, do you. Another, we'll do another one after I do my flat track. Yeah, definitely, definitely. That'd we'll, be awesome. We'll, uh, we'll put that on the schedule, man. Be safe out there. Good luck, and thank you so much. Okay, thank you. I appreciate it, guys. All right, Jeff, take care. Okay, see uh-huh. you. Bye-bye. Over and over again, we keep getting – awesome guests on the phone and they're so great yeah. to talk to like yeah like after mcgrath i was like all right i'm done well that's kind of how i felt about wardy like wardy and cooper were my my earlier year yeah. favorites and then mcgrath and of course now you know it's chiz but yeah there's there's only a few of those guys and i'm just like in like bradshaw we got to get bradshaw on here yep um bradshaw was just a beast obviously but um anyway yeah that was rad super excited to have jeff on let's take a little break and we'll get our last guest on last break Alright, our next guest of the night is brought to you by Fly Racing. Best gear out there. Hit up flyracing.com or your local dealership uh, for info on Fly Racing. On the phone with us is Transworld Motocross's Michael Antonovich. What's up, Anton? How's it going? It's going good, man. Going good. Uh, pretty pretty excited about this season so far in Supercross. Four races. Um, 
four four win or three winners, but you know Cooper Webb winning two of them wasn't expected. What do you think about this season so far? Uh, I think I think it's what we should have expected, considering that there were guys that we knew were not like at a hundred percent coming in. Yeah. Um, but and I think that people need to realize that there are. It's great that there are guys that have always been capable of winning, that have always needed some things to line up for them to do so. And uh, I think that's kind of what we're seeing in some of the first-time winners, that guys that have always been at 100% or have controlled the 450 class in recent years are not in peak form just yet. And they will get there at some point, but it's making it really interesting and it's giving guys that haven't had the best results in the last few years a chance to get some wins and get their confidence back to where it needs to be. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm loving it. I love seeing these other guys up there. You know, I think, honestly, Marvin was probably the fastest guy last week. Probably could have won the race without a couple mistakes. But seeing Cooper get a couple and Baggett and Barsha, um, man, I, I'm, it's just exciting. It's it's something that I think we all wanted is to see different guys have a chance to win. Um, you 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 got a lot of inside info. Um, you think there's anything to the Eli being still recovering from the back injury? Uh, I would say that it's probably less like he's still recovering, and now it's more like trying to get back on the flow of things. Like, I don't think it's like a painful deal where they're trying to deal with that still, like Monday through Friday, and then like kind of laboring through race day. I think that they're just making up for lost time that they might have missed in the off season with the bike. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of where they're at now. They're kind of, it's that old thing of like racing your way into shape. <laughs> right. I think he's doing that. I think he's doing that more than he is like actively recovering. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of, I think you're right. I, I feel like he's going to be on the top of the box within the next couple of weeks. I, I really, it's got to be coming. Yeah. And we've been saying that about him and <laughs> for so long. And then it's getting really crazy where you're just like, well, today's the day, right? Right. And the main event shapes out and you're like, oh, okay, maybe it's not. Because like, I've honestly thought the last two weeks that Ken was going to win coming into it. Yeah. Um, I figured that I kind of did think that Eli would have won Arizona uh, just because he's done so well at that track before. And typically he just needs to get through the first round well to get to the second round, and then you always see something pretty good. Yeah. Uh, as long as he doesn't, like, have an injury or something that messes him up. Um, but, yeah, it's been really, really exciting to see because there is so much – there's more of a question mark of, like, uh, how is this going to play out and not like, well, you know what's going to happen before the gate even drops. Well, exactly. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of times you go like the races can be quote unquote, a little bit boring. You get somebody running away with it, you know, same winners all the time. And I mean, geez, we had, you know, Malcolm Stewart who was killing it and had a couple chances where he might've been on the winter race, you know, unfortunately he got hurt. Uh, it's just been exciting every week. And like, I, I'm on the edge of my seat basically every week watching these races. I think the big thing that has helped is how good the tracks have been. Yes. Um, they've really figured out in the first three. Um, I mean, granted, A1 was like kind of a mud bog, so that kind of throws a question mark into it. But I don't think that Oakland was everything that they expected it to be because of those last-minute changes that they made. That long rhythm section that was right before the finish line, like whoever was ahead when they went into that turn, that last bull turn before that long rhythm line, you know who the winner was in that yes. race. Way before, and the only real passing places came in those turns around the whoops. So, like, I think really, really good tracks have helped, and then Oakland was 
an okay track. It was mm -hmm. good that everybody got out of there relatively safe, <laughs> right. but it didn't provide like the best racing like that Anaheim 2 track did or like Arizona did. No, you're right. You're right. Uh, I mean, there was one section that kind of, I, well, I love the back-to-back -back whoops and they were really gnarly, but that little like triple onto the, I guess it was a step up and you could kind of go all the way over and double out. Or uh, I think one time um, Dylan, like, he he jumped up and then tripled off. It had a couple of options. Though. I thought it was a really cool section. The one right after the mechanic area. Yeah, yeah, like right after the finish. Yeah, yeah that thing was pretty pretty awesome. I like that. I mean, it seemed like there was really one fast way, but it was just a cool obstacle. Yeah, and that's cool because it goes back to some of the old. Like if you watch older races from the early two thousands, mm -hmm. there was a lot of times that there were these really tall, really, you know a lot of options to them, tabletops that were like multiple levels. Yeah, and yeah. so a guy could do whatever to it. And that made some really good racing because there could be a guy staying low in one line and then a guy like 10 feet above him <laughs> right. Right, right next to it. And it made for really cool things because they were still pretty even. Agreed, yeah. I, I think the track builders have done an exceptional job. And then even on, you know, I was only at the uh, Supercross Futures on at Glendale, at the first one. But they seemed to really have, they improved on that um, event also from last year with making the track more technical and, uh, you know, so those guys, the, the top guys can get those points. Mm -hmm. It's it's definitely weird because if you talk to somebody that's in like a little bit of a lower tier class, uh, it looks a little intimidating. Yes. Uh, you really have to be on your marks. And that's good for the A-class guys. Like they definitely need that. But uh, because they don't need to race on a full bore Supercross track yet. There's bikes don't have the suspension that they have. The riders don't have the skills that need to ride on a full-scale supercross track. But there's definitely a better middle ground between a really exciting track for a fun and safe track for an a entry-level guy to race on and then a really technical track to challenge the A-class guys at the same time. And they're still finding that, but they're, they're way closer this year than they were last year. Yeah, agreed. Like I said, I only made the first one, and I, and I was pretty glad I wasn't out there riding because – I just don't have the skills, and I don't. A lot of that I didn't want to have to deal with. I'm glad I didn't do it, but it was very entertaining to watch, and I was pretty impressed. I mean, they those guys kicked ass overnight getting that track ready. Yeah, they've done a really, and even that one at Glendale. Like I think almost most of the track crew left that Arizona race early to get back to Southern California to yeah. build the Anaheim two track. So, like, who really knows how that track could have been if they everything went to the original plan? That's true. But the Anaheim two one. Anaheim 2 one looked good because I've watched a lot of GoPro stuff from that. Mm -hmm. And uh, that one looked fun. I mean, that, that third baseline rhythm lane, I mean, that's still pretty burly. And there was no error, like room for error there. But, I mean, everything else was pretty cool. And, and that looks like if you're a guy that really wants to do it and has good supercross skills, like it looks like a great time. But it's going to be weird how some of these people that live back east are in like a colder area and right. haven't ridden since like october if that's the first thing that you're going to ride in like three months <laughs> really 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 be on your toes before you go because it's going to be hard yeah i hadn't even really thought hard. about that uh hadn't that didn't even cross my mind well how about you man are you gonna uh you gonna r race any of those just to try one no 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 i'm good i'm <laughs> very, i i we've watched enough videos that i'm just like yeah uh yeah, I'm good. I feel the same way. Like, I, I just, I know where I belong, and that's not there. Uh, I mean, I'm sure I could get around it, but it's not, it's not fun for me to be riding and being, like, terrified at the same time. Yeah, I like exactly. a little bit of danger, 
and I don't need that much data. <laughs> um, I, I feel exactly the same way. That's why I was happy just watching. Um, hey, let me ask you. There's been a little bit of, I, I we'll call it drama, just some 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 things that have happened this season that the fans like to talk about. You know, we uh, we had the Cooper Kenny little Cooper Kenny controversy with the the point and shoot. Um, Barsha and Wilson got into it at one point, and then. Just recently, um, on social media, we had the uh, the Buttery Films, who I think you're a fan of, and uh, the, the, the AJ Catanzaro episode. Um, what are your thoughts on the drama? Do you think it's worth talking about? I mean, I know the fans like to talk about it. We get we get on the message boards and talk about it. You think there's it's worth even mentioning um, as as media? Um, there are some things that maybe there are, and there are some things that aren't. Like, I would never, like, Transworld would never, on the website, discuss, like, what was said between Connor, which is Buttery's real name, mm-hmm. and AJ. Like, it doesn't matter. That's just, like, such a non-factor. And really, like, the Cooper-Ken thing, I mean, that could be misinter- that could be interpreted every way that you want. You could take Ken's reaction to it. You could take what Cooper said. You could take somewhere in the middle how they both feel yeah and it just like i don't ever want to focus on one standalone incident because there's so much more to it that leads up to those things like that's what makes the ken cooper thing from san diego last year so interesting because you knew that there was so much tension that had built up (laughs) to that point whereas with like barsh and wilson that's just two dudes that are out there racing for position at that time like i don't think that there's like this gnarly trying to kill each other history between Barsha and Wilson, whereas Cooper and Ken have had said and done enough things to irk each other's feelings that, like, oh, okay, that's noticeable. That's what happens when you let your emotions get too out of whack. Yeah. And I think that's, that's like, something worth noticing, but just, like, two dudes kind of, like, being pissed at each other after a race. Like, I'm never going to make, like, a big headline about it unless it caused such a controversy that one of them got, like, disqualified or if it was something that was, like, Actual overlapping news. weekend over weekend over weekend where it was like, wow, if you watch this trend of these two dudes just finding each other and then blowing each other apart in a turn. Yeah. Well, it's so, like, it, it, it depends, but, like, dude, the track's only so wide and things happen. Like, dude, I'm a local racer and I've run it in on guys and guys have run it in on me. And, like, it's just kind of part of it. But if there was, like, a repeat thing where, like, someone was, like, going for broke and, like, blowing out people's legs and stuff like that, then I would be like, oh, I would, I should probably give this some editorial attention. Right. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. Um, how about 250s right now? Um, you know, we've, Adam has uh, been really, really great at times, and then, you know, somewhat out of control, as we, we've seen with Adam, where he just does these goofy little things. Um, but, but McElrath is on point. Uh, Colt Nichols is doing, you know, right there. Dylan's going to get him a win at some point soon, I feel like. Um really a great great series for the west so far it's been great and i think that colt is like the perfect spoiler to all of that because coming into the year i figured it was going to be like the ferrandez cincerillo one two title fight yep and without colt there it would be a really interesting title because you know dylan and adam have both had their share of bad days but colt has played this like even killed spoiler of like, hey, this is how these guys should be going instead of being so erratic weekend to weekend, like one great weekend, one so so weekend, like you need to be on the podium all the time. Um, and it's cool to see someone like Colt 
that people don't expect becoming that person. Yes. Um, while Adam and Dylan, like, keep you on the edge of your seat of like, oh my God, what's <laughs> going to happen with him now? Right. Yeah, I, yeah, because Adam will definitely do that to you. I started yelling at the TV a couple times where, you know, he about looped out going through the whoops. <laughs> I had him in fantasy, so, man, I needed him to hang on. Yeah, and even when he, like, almost looped out there leading Colt, I was like, oh, oh, shit. Like, yeah. This could go really, really bad. But then I think that that was, like, partially a mistake, but partially what he was playing. Like, he's definitely wanted the front wheel up, just probably not that high. Right, right. But yeah. it gives you it gives you something to watch because you know how these guys are. That's kind of the fun of, of the racing is you know how a person's riding style and their on-track personality is and what they do. And then it's interesting to see how they either stick to that MO all the time or they stray away from it and become kind of caught up in the moment and, like, ride to be defensive or ride to be aggressive or if they just ride the plan and just put in 15 or 20 good minutes of racing. Like, that's the cool thing about it. When you know so much about the sport and you really follow it as, a, as either a media person or a fan and you know, like, well, that's this guy's riding style. How is it going to play out here? Uh, it's, been, it's been really cool. I mean, the whole series so far has been great. And uh, just as we're starting to figure some things out, it'll be interesting to see how the 250 East Coast guys, like, throw a wrench in all of this. Yeah, I agree. We've got yeah, – we're, we're pre-recording this on Monday night for tomorrow night's show, but tomorrow night we've got Alex Martin on. So I'm really interested to see how he's feeling, you know, and where he thinks after seeing what he's seen so far in the West, you know, just kind of where his head's at. I, I'm I'm very excited for the East to get kicked off. It's definitely stacked. Like that's that's a big coast. There's quite a few really really fast guys on the West Coast this year, mm-hmm. uh, but there's a lot of people on the East Coast that could. Uh, there's there's any combination of podiums on any given night over there. Hundred percent agree. What, from like even just a small, like a small team, like uh, Club and McCycle Trader Traders Racing, like those guys CTR. You have another time like they did last year with Luke Rindland, where they land on the podium when everything falls their way. Or, you know, there's a slew of factory back guys that are going to be in the mix between like Geico Honda, JGR, Pro Circuit, Star, Rockstar Husky. Like there's this could go any different way on any night. Yeah, for sure, and there's a lot of guys I'm really excited about seeing. Um, just having them back, you know, I want to see Kyle Peters out there. Um, you know, there's just there's a number of riders that I, I feel like, like you say, there's two or three in the West that I was like, okay, I really felt like those were the guys, and that's probably all that's going to be in the top podium. I was really surprised by Colt. Um, but in the, in the East, I feel like there's a lot more, I feel like it's a little bit more level playing field between a bunch of them. Yeah, yeah, there definitely is, and um, that's what makes those shootouts. Then now that we have two, so interesting because yeah. then it's the full combination of of everything at one or two times. Well, before I let you go, let me ask you a couple more things. Um, you know, when you're at or on a Saturday at a race, what excites you more? Being in the pits pre-race and looking at the bikes and and you know seeing what the teams are doing and like. Checking like catching the whole shot device that was on Dino's bike that Pro Taper's coming out with, and those little things, or is it actually watching the race and covering the actual race? It's a little bit of both because um, I've done this for so long now, mm-hmm. and I appreciate it in different ways than I ever did 
in the past. So I think that, like, the early morning, uh, like, when I get to the track at, like, 9 or so, I really uh, appreciate that part because it's fun to kind of walk through and say, you know, say hi to everybody and see bikes and just kind of figure out, like, the lowdown on what's going on. And then that feeds right into qualifying because then at that point I'm pretty eager to see bikes on the track. And then I see how that stuff goes. And then in that break between qualifying and the night show, that gives me a time to go and see exactly what happened from riders. Like, hey, how did this shake out? Did this work the way you expected? Mm -hmm. Did things go the way I expected them to go? It's a fun time to, like, just kind of see everybody get in that zone where they know, like, okay, this is what we do this for. In a couple hours, I'm going to be on the track. I need to warm up. I need to gear up. I need to listen to music, like, get focused. And then all of that helps me build anticipation from me like super fan style to see the actual race and then i love watching the race because i can think something is going to happen but god knows what's going to happen until the gate drops Absolutely. and then once the gate drops it all goes you know haywire right yeah it's, I, it's weird like, i know that that wasn't like an exact answer no but i appreciate everything that happens on a race day and i enjoy all of it for different reasons because all of them together make race day so fun for me no like, yeah. i still am you could take me to any race anywhere, and I would be just as happy as I am at any of them. <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, that's a good answer because that would, you know, I haven't been doing it very long at all, but I, that's my answer. It's like every part of it I love. Like I love waking up in the hotel in the morning going, okay, I'm getting ready to go to their track, you know, and, and getting yeah. in there and saying hi to everybody. Like you say, it's like, yeah, every part of it is is enjoyable to me. So, yeah, definitely not. And, and like. Go ahead. And the fun thing about it is, too, like. For those of us, and, and this really speaks to only like a very few people, but the ones that go to the races all the time, like you, it can get kind of repetitive. Like you feel like Groundhog's Day, where yeah. it's another day in the airport, another rental car, another hotel room, another race. And I mean, even some of the rounds, like it honestly felt like I was just at Angel Stadium last week when we went to Anaheim one for the first time. It's like oh, yeah. it's like deja vu yeah. because everything feels the same. But then. The fun part is, like, we're really fortunate that you get to go to a new city or get to go see a new thing or experience something a little bit different and, like, always wanting to find something new and cool to see or something that I, I've always wondered about. Like, maybe it's a restaurant or a hotel or a coffee shop or something that, like, I'm into or, or whatever. Yeah. I, I like that stuff. And that's what keeps it from being just such, like, a repetitive deal for me. I make it fun, like, I'm going to go do this, and this is why I'm going to do it. And I know what you mean, like, you wake up on Saturday, and you're just excited to go to the race. Yeah. You know, and see how everything goes. It's fun. I mean, there's a lot of people that might grumble about it, like, oh, the job, but, like, it's the most fun job. Yeah, you guys are very fortunate. Like I said, I get to do a few of them a year, and I'm just, I'm so excited when I'm there, and then, like, I catch myself towards the end of the main events going, oh, man, i got to go back to my real job, you know, and I want, like, at Glendale, I, I was really kind of almost depressed because, like, well, I don't won't be back till Dallas, and then and then that next Saturday at Anaheim too, I was just at home going, I'm not supposed to be here. I should be there. So yeah, yeah. no, I didn't go to I didn't go to Oakland this weekend. I'm just like I was okay with not going to Oakland, but then on Saturday I was like, man, there's so much happening that yeah, I'm not a yeah, part of. And absolutely. That Hey, so I want to, uh, last thing, uh, it's more on your personal side. Um, I know you're, you're big into, you know, politics and different things, and, and you have you, you put a, a lot of stuff on Twitter. 
this that, isn't going to end well, but yeah, keep no, going. No, no, I'm just, I, I'm just curious, like, how you decide, um, you know, what you want to post and what you want to talk about, and do you even consider that, okay, maybe some of the Moto fans, I may lose some fans or I may piss some people off. Does that really even, do you take that into consideration at all, or are you just, hey, this is my opinions and I have a right to speak it? Uh, it's definitely more the last thing, mm-hmm. and people don't, I don't think some people um, understand that, because, like, I'm not one to argue. Like, I'll explain things, but I'm not going to get heated and, like, fight with you. Like, you see things your way, I see things my way. I'll let you tell me, like, I please explain to me, like, why you see things that way, and then I'll explain to you why I see things that way. But I'm never going to, like lose a friendship over it right unless it's something like really serious or like freak out about it like people dude i get like drug on twitter all the time like there are people that don't like me but i never like just attack someone like because they have me backed into a corner i either blow it off or i'm just like no whatever like people are free to think about me whatever they want i'm not i can't change them you know, I can explain, to, and like that's honestly what I'm trying to do. Yeah. If people don't like me, I'm just trying to explain to them, hey, this is what I think, and this is why I am the way I am. You might not understand it, but all I can do is just tell you, this is who I am. And if you don't understand or don't agree, that's okay, but at least I've given you the information for you to understand it somewhat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and like, politically, like, I, my whole thing is, like, politician-wise, I kind of think they're all corrupt, and, and that's, like, a much more personal conversation for, like, another time. But, like, I just really think, like, we as a whole should want to help each other out and see the best things for other people. And I think that's just, like, kind of a basic human element. And uh, I, that's all I want. I just want, like, hey, man, in whatever it is in your life you like, I hope you enjoy it. I hope you get to pursue it and and have that time, just as long as it doesn't come at the cost of hurting someone else. Absolutely. That's all, that's all I am. You know, you can think what you want and all that stuff, but, like, and have whatever kind of fun you want, as long as it doesn't come at the cost of someone else's, like, freedom or yep. their happiness or something like that. That's, that's Honestly, that's all it boils down to. And when it politically, like, I get put into, like, a category, but realistically, like, it's so much more nuanced than all that. Yeah, and I appreciate that because, like, look, I'm not very political. Um, I'm I'm very easily swayed. I could listen to the, the the right side and be like, oh yeah, that's a good point, and then listen to the exact opposite argument and be, oh, that's actually a good point too. So I, I'm not one to really speak. I'm just curious because I find it interesting, and I'll read stuff. And if I don't agree with something, I just well, I don't have to read it. You know, I don't know why people feel like they have to lash out. It's mm-hmm. it's so our, our society today is really strange with that like you it's so easy just to change the channel or change the you know you're you don't have to look at it you don't have to listen to it but people just mm-hmm. feel like they have a need to lash out like it's just the way people are now and the other thing like that goes along with that like don't always go off of your like knee-jerk reaction yeah, or your first yeah. response like like learn about it like, right i mean for most of us we have all of the information that you could ever ask for about a subject like in your pocket or on the computer. And if you really wanted to, you could learn about all sides of things and how they got to be this way. You know, like, I mean, I always have like a couple tabs going because I'm trying to read or learn about something else that happened so I have a better, more well-rounded view of what's going on. And I know that some people don't have that, you know, opportunity 
and and that's okay. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. But the best way to like, I would say maybe know your opponent is to know why they think the way they do. Definitely. And that's how you can learn. That's how you can kind of learn to um, understand when you're going to encounter them. Like, hey, this is how I'm going to deal with this situation. I'm going to deal with this. You have to plan for it so you don't get there and just like your initial reaction is just to fight it. You can yeah. somehow diplomatically learn how to get around it. Well, yeah, that's, and I think that's, you know, our, our forefathers, that's how they, they handled things. And that's why our country grew. And now it's just like, Oh, this is my, this is, I'm on this side and I don't even want to hear the other re- reasoning for the other side. And it's very unfortunate. Um, but yeah, I, I just thought I was interested in that because I know I see all the, I see a lot of the people lashing out at you and that's just silly, but I mean, like, honestly, if anybody, people will still make fun of me for even saying this, but like anything that anyone would ever want to like debate me on, like, dude, I'm, I'm all for it. Like yeah. I can see your point, but you've got to see my point. That's a debate. Don't just like yell at me and call me stupid or call me like, you know, some other kind of derogatory name because I don't agree with you. Like, Try to understand my point of view, and I'll understand your point of view, and let's both take away something positive from it instead of just tearing each other down. Because nothing good comes from that. No, you're you're 100 right. Get nowhere. Well, let's wrap up with one one moto question. Um, so far, four races in. What's the thing that surprised you the most? Um, Colt Nichols. Like, yeah, Colt's been the biggest surprise. Okay. And, that's, and that's not to say that I didn't expect good things out of Colt ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just he was so off the radar for everyone. Like we all figured like, yeah, he'll be a podium guy or he'll be in the mix for, you know, some good results and maybe a win will come. But I don't think so many people expected, yeah, this kid's going to take a win at the opening round and then be on the podium at every, at the next, you know, handful of races and lead the championship quite well. Yeah. You know, Oakland would, you could even go as far as saying like Oakland wasn't his best race because he fell under pressure from Shane so much. But even then, it was a great race because he withstood Shane's, like, what, 15 minutes of attacking and chasing him and never let him get a wheel on him. Like, that's a great race. And so, you know, I would think maybe Colt would have been more of a championship contender next year once he gets, like, another full healthy season into it. But, I mean, it's pretty likely that the dude could walk away with a title right now, and, and everybody wouldn't have called for that. No, you're 100%. Maybe the people in his corner could have. You know, like and Colt's doing really well and all sure. these things, but but most people didn't expect Colt to be the spoiler to Adam and Ferrandez and McElrath and and all of these other guys. No, you're right. I didn't hear his name brought up hardly at all. So yeah, that's that is definitely on the radar for one of the b- biggest surprises so far. And hopefully, we'll get a bunch more surprises in the whole series for the next whatever was it, 13 rounds left. Um, will be exciting every week. The cool thing about Colt, and he, he made mention of this in one of the one of, before one of the races with the TV crew, and then he, he said it to me too, um, is just how he's like confidence. Like confidence is huge, and I think confidence is key for anybody. Uh, I don't think people realize that until they actually have that like experience where they know like, oh wow, like I'm really sure that everything is going to go okay this time. Not there's no doubting or questioning of what's going to happen you're just like no dude it's gonna go this way i know it's gonna go this way yeah and there's nothing that tells me otherwise and i think that that's the mental space that colt is in right now he's just like i i know this is gonna go well what should go wrong and that's what he rolls onto the track with and that's what guys like bill Poto and dungy and ken roxon prior to his arm injuries 
and Carmichael. That's what those guys rode with. They're like this, just I know shit's gonna go okay. Confident, and Colt's got that right now. Yeah, and that's that's a shoot. That's probably at least fifty percent of the game. You know, I mean, I would think is having that confidence. Like what did McGrath always say? When I showed up, I knew I was gonna win. If you have that confidence, and I don't think you hear people say that, but until you actually get to that point on anything in life. Like, once you finally reach that point in whatever it is that you're trying to pursue, it, dude, it all comes so much easier afterwards. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think my biggest surprise for this so far was the the lack of uh, results for Jason Anderson. But, um, yeah, I, mean, I, was, I was very surprised. I've been very surprised and very disappointed, honestly. I, I, I don't know. That one was so strange to me because you could see at Anaheim one he was like a little bit visibly guarded yes. like oh god like I'm coming in with so much stuff and then uh, Arizona was by you know most measures a really good ride um, he got he was in the mix with Ken the whole time and then the red flag situation happened and everybody kind of has their own feeling on how that turned out yeah but he did really well uh, that did close the Everybody's benefited from that, you know. Jason benefited from the red flag. Baggett benefited from the red flag. Ken didn't, obviously, because I think that that was Ken's to control for a lot longer. Yeah. But uh, I, I don't know what you could call, like, what you could pin Anaheim 2 on, but even on his sighting lap in the last race, it kind of looked like he was constantly, like, revving the hell out of the bike. Like, me and another friend noticed that, and we're like, uh, maybe something's off here. So mm. that might not be like a, a personal thing. That might have been like, hey, he knew that there was something bigger going on, and that's what led to that result. Yeah. Well, it's it's a surprise, and, I mean, we'll we'll really never know if he could have turned it around yeah. now. But, uh, you yeah, know. the only thing, the only way we would know is if Jason did, like, some big interview that says, hey, this is what happened, but I, I don't think he's going to do that because then that lets the guard down for the next time. Yeah, and he's he's only he knows and only the people around him. He's very very guarded from what I've seen. He's one of those him and uh, like Reed are the hardest for me to get anything out of. Yeah, it depends. It just kind of depends because like I've had talks away from the track like just through the week with Jason, and I know you haven't had like the same opportunity, right? Uh, And the same thing with Chad. Like there are just some guys when they show up on a Saturday there's like a full different personality that comes on and they might be able to like show you glimpses of <laughs> their Monday through Friday personality, yeah. but Saturday's a whole nother thing. Right. Well, Anton, thank you so much, man. I know, uh, you've got meetings. You said tomorrow evening, you're probably busy all day today. So I appreciate you taking a few minutes for us and giving us a little bit of your thoughts. Yeah, no worries. Talk to you soon. All, all right. right Anton. Races? Uh, yeah, I'll be at Dallas, Houston, Denver, Vegas. Okay, well, I'll see you at one of those. All right, sounds good, bud. You have a good night. Thanks. All right, later, dude. All right, see ya. All right, Michael Antonovich with Transworld. Uh, yeah, if you guys don't follow him on Instagram and, and uh, Twitter, you should. He writes a lot of fantastic articles with Transworld. Uh, I'm sure you've seen him. T- does some of the photos. Um, great guy. Follow him. Give him a shout-out. But we appreciate him coming on and uh, giving us a few minutes of his time. All right, boys, we are back with our final guest of the night, um, and he is brought to you by Mad Jack Synthetics. Dane Evans and Mad Jack Synthetics is an independent dealer of AMS Oil Synthetic Oils. 
They are riders, racers, and just all-around fans of dirt bikes like you and I. Contact Mad Jack Synthetics at 805-531-9551 or at madjackdiesel.shopamsoil.com. Try to find out how to become a dealer or purchase your own Amsoil. On the phone with us is Mr. B- Bill Harris. With uh, He is the director of Supercross Futures, which is a pretty rad uh, thing going on this year. I got to see the one at Glendale. TJ, you've done a few of them. But, Bill, what's up, man? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on tonight. Yeah, absolutely. So your uh, your plate has probably been pretty busy these la- the three of the four races so far. Oh, yeah. It's been uh, – I mean, I was in Anaheim helping Supercross crew get 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 going and uh, started with the season, but uh, nervously anticipating the start of our season yeah. in Glendale, our first race. So uh, yeah, it's been a uh, it's been a whirlwind, and uh, but all good things, you know. Um, getting a lot of positive reviews from the new Supercross Futures program, and uh, trying to make it better every week. So I got to meet you when we were leaving Oakland, um, heading back to Texas. Kind of shook your hand. I was like, man, I'd like to get you on the show. And you mm-hmm. kind of imparted some cool background real quick about how you got to where you were, where you know, starting with the AMA Arena Cross. Can you, so fill in our listeners about that? Yeah, sure. So I uh, I started off uh, as a crew guy for for Arena Cross back uh, back in 2008, and um, was a crew guy. Traveled on the road, hanging banners, helping set up the track, and and running the race. And then uh, in 2010, they uh, they needed a truck driver, so I went to CDL school and uh, became a truck driver for Arena Cross. So I drove the semi, and then once I got there, I helped set everything up again and, and run the races. Um, the end of, end of 2010, I, I got a call. They were looking for the event man or for an event manager because uh, Arena Cross didn't have an event manager at the time. So. Uh, I uh, I I took the offer and uh, moved out to Illinois. That's where we were based out of, and uh, I was the event manager all the way up until oh gosh, 2015, I want to say 16. So uh, and then I moved up to the direct position of uh, Amsoil Arena Cross, and then uh, unfortunately last uh, last season, 2018, was the last season for Amsoil Arena Cross. Um, but that. This summer is when we started developing this new program of Supercross Futures. So, how long before the um, Arena Cross stuff was over did you know that? And was there a period you didn't know about what you were going to do, or did you know this future thing was coming up? Uh, well, I knew about halfway through the season, maybe a little bit more than halfway through the season, that that Amsoil Arena Cross was kind of on the chopping block, um, and they were looking to. Uh, you know, explore other options. And then as far as the Supercross Futures program, that really didn't start to come to come onto my plate until probably about April of last year, towards the end of April, when they started to uh, discuss internally what the options were going to be moving forward for an amateur program. Well, it's been really impressive from what I've seen so far. Um, has the first three rounds met your expectations, exceeded your expectations? Where you, what do you think about that? Uh, that's, that's interesting. So last year they had Supercross amateur racing, they mm-hmm. did four rounds kind of as, as a, as a test bed. Um, and they were, you know, wildly popular as the Supercross futures program is right now. Um, but it was kind of done with a, a crew based off of, uh, my arena cross staff, um, because they knew how to run the amateur races and, and the, the, the Supercross, the, the 
Monster Energy Supercross crew, albeit they're a tremendous group that just, you know, running amateur races just isn't their everyday thing like we did at Arena Cross. Um, so now that there's a, uh, a full a full crew dedicated to the Supercross Futures, I think it went a little bit better than maybe than what uh, some of our competitors, our riders' expectations were from last year. Uh, you know, I've heard stories about, you know, various issues that happened last year, and, you know, we worked this year going into it just to mitigate, you know, issues with parking and logistics and, and communication out to the riders and stuff like that. So I still think there's a, a lot of work to be done, and, you know, every day that we're there, you know, there's always notes being taken on how we can improve, make it better. And uh, even the riders coming up and are giving us feedback, you know, uh, something that we might have overlooked or screwed up or, or something they liked, and maybe I got to do more of, you know, well, something, whatever it is, sending out more emails or making more maps, you know, right. whatever it is. I'll say for sure that um, seeing the first three rounds in person, you could see a very quick, very steady progression of how the the lines to sign up all the way through it got better and better and how quickly y'all are able to, to kind of put the new plan together. Sure. And I, I'm, I'm sure you saw that from Glendale. I mean, the lines <laughs> for registration were, were all out the tent and, and wrapped halfway down the sidewalk. And, uh, you know, that was a simple fix made in, in, uh, Anaheim too. when we got there on, on how to mitigate the time that everyone stands in line when they're there yeah. to check in. So appreciate it. So I got a question just kind of a, a random sure. deal how come they are not using the starting grates for amateur for the supercross futures um i think they i think they wanted to preserve them for for the the monster Energy supercross athletes um so we we built those starting grates um they're pretty heavy duty there's a lot of fabrication that goes into them albeit it's just tubing and, and expanded steel but um Doing a running 700 uh, competitors or 700 entries over them on a Sunday, um, you know those, those things would start to get broke down. Um, so I think the uh, for this year they wanted to continue with the dirt start pad and maybe look towards using the grades, uh, you know, as we move down the road or maybe futures gets a set of their own start grades that we use. Yeah. Yeah. How about the track design in general? Um, last year the the stories I heard were that they were you know, they were dummy down too much almost, where they were too easy, the track, for the amateur day. This year, like I, was, like I said, I was only at the Glendale round, but it was still very um, technical while still having, you know, an option to roll a lot of stuff if you wanted to. But how do you decide, you know, what parts you're going to change, what you're going to take out, where that line is for it, whether it's too easy or too difficult? Sure, that's a, that's a great question. So last year, I, I heard the same thing. Again, I was only at two of the Supercross amateur races, and I actually raced the Tampa race just to get the experience of it. Um, you know, I did hear that they were dumbed down or, 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 you know, mellowed out a little too much last year. But um, it, it's tough to figure out what that fine line is going to be. you got to cater to every, everything from a 4-year-old on a 50 yeah. to uh, a veteran or a, an an, a, an A-class rider that, that's used to ride in kind of a, a variety of tracks. Um, so last year, I think, uh, and, and with it being super cross and you're inside, and, you know, I, I think the Dirtworks team, you know, kind of played it safe, and the Feld folks played it safe because we don't really know how these riders are going to adapt to a super cross track. You know, it's not, not everybody has access to a track, you know, like Glendale was this year or anything like that. 
Uh, moving into this year, we decided, and I was a strong supporter of it, keeping the tracks uh, a little more aggressive, um, you know, keeping the landing safe so that if they did, if a rider does come up short, you know, they can ride out of it rather than catching the back wheel. Um, but, you you know, these riders are, are signed up for a Supercross-branded event race, and they should get a, a somewhat Supercross feel and track when they're out there. Um, I think the tracks have gotten better from Glendale, Anaheim, mm-hmm. Oakland. Um, you know, it's just it's trying to find that fine line that, that, that allows everybody to have good racing and fun and, and be as safe as they possibly can in that environment. Yeah, I think so. leaving the whoops in this last week was a – well, from our camp's point of view, was a good idea. Mm-hmm. I, I, mean, I didn't I, know they did that. That's cool. Yeah, for they, they had two sets of yeah. whoops, and so the second set after the U-turn. Yeah. They were, y'all didn't knock them down that much, did y'all? No, no. They, they just kind of roll through them with the loader. Nice. Yeah. Kind of flatten them out a little bit. Um, again, how many people get to hit whoops? And I mean, it is yeah. a cool experience to go and do that. So I think the only there was uh, only two guys I saw go down after the whoops. A rider D was one mm-hmm. of them, but uh, mm-hmm. and some. But most of the guys were able to get through them. And cool. um, and the, and the guys who couldn't, it was kind of neat because the guys who couldn't blitz them, they were they were able to roll jump through, through them quickly. Oh yeah, yeah. So exactly. Yeah, right or even jump through them. Yeah. And then as far as the tracks, you know, we kind of take the, bull, the, the the whole blueprint of the track and and myself and, and some other folks on our team and the dirt team sit down and, and, and analyze everything. You know, if there's a, a long rhythm, uh, you know, we'll take we'll push jumps together or, or make things tabletops. Um, you know, long rhythms. In Glendale, there was a long rhythm. And, and it, you know, if a rider gets out of, out of timing in the beginning, you know, it's only going to get worse as it, as it goes yeah. through there. So try and anticipate that and, and how the jump should be made. Um, the landings, most importantly, obviously, if they can roll out of it, they're not too steep. Um, you know, and then as, as, as they get towards berms, we always like to take out the last jump in a rhythm section before a berm. Um, this gives them time to, to check up without carrying too much momentum up and over into the berm. That's, I, you know what, now that you say that, I, I know I see, I remember seeing that, and that's, that's a really good, I guess, plan for foresight. Uh, in the, in the yeah, room. a little more time to shut down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Coming from the arena cross world, I've seen, you know, plenty of bikes go off the track. So, uh, you know, we want to keep everybody on the track and, yeah. and give them time to, to react. So so what, has there been any, like I know you I know you go down there on the stadium and watching and all that kind of stuff. Has there been mm-hmm. sections where some of the top B or the A riders have put things together? You're like, oh, I didn't think they were going to be able to do that. You know, it's really surprising. I'm watching these guys ride, and they look like they look like they were, you know, racing on Saturday night. Uh, I was watching, uh, I believe it was Pierce Brown in the yes. Anaheim too. And he, I mean, he was just smooth as glass and and tripling through stuff so effortlessly. It, it, it was really impressive. So uh, I was watching the uh, 125 BC race this weekend in in Oakland. I mean, those kids were just killing it on 125s, and it was it, at first off, it was great to see the two strokes back in there, but um, it's just it's just impressive how skilled all these riders really are. Yeah, you know, you really never know what you're going to get, but you know, they're they're ready for it, and they they look great out on the track. Yeah, I'm curious to see. I know there's so many of those top kids going out there into California. I'm curious to see, like how if that's going to be any different as y'all go out east. 
Yeah, as we move east, what the what the level of talent's going to be? I, I think there's, I think, I think you're going to have a, a decent level of talent. I mean, there's there's plenty of talent on the East Coast, um, and whether they chose to to go east to race those races, you know, I I don't know. I mean, only time will tell at this point who's going to come out of the woodwork on the East Coast. Right. Um, so, what's the general feedback you've gotten so far from you know the parents and the 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 entrance, um, you know, positive wise, and has there been any negative feedback? I'd say it's it's probably been about ninety to ninety five percent all positive. Uh, you know, I see a lot of uh, posts on, on on social media, um, and and it seems to be really positive. Um, even Brian Deegan, his two kids raced in. Uh, they were in Glendale mm-hmm. and uh, in Anaheim, and unfortunately went down in Anaheim. But it was still positive, even in light of that. Um, so uh, there, there are the, the issues, you know, at each round where results have been uh, incorrect or, or somebody, you know, has an issue with parking or whatever the case may be. I mean, you're always going to have that. Sure. You know, I try to try to make accommodations as best as I can within my capacity, but. Um, Overall, it's been it's been positive. My biggest thing is is the track, and you know what everyone's feedback is on the track. Because if there's something skewed really far one way or the other, you know we want to address those issues. Absolutely. As far as logistics, as far as logistics of the building, we're kind of bound by the parameters that the building sets for us. Security being, you know, a little overbearing at the tunnel or whatever, <laughs> and, and you know we try to work through those things through the day. Yeah. Yeah, I asked him. Because they were basically strip searching everybody in and out of that place, and I'm mm-hmm. like, "Really? What do y'all mm-hmm. think that we're trying to yeah. sneak in here?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. One of the big things is that people don't realize is um, when we go to these these stadiums like Glendale, um, you know, they have a very high security standard, and that's not because we say, "Hey, you got to be real secure." That's just because it's a, these high profile buildings, you know, NFL buildings, MLB buildings. You know, they have a security protocol that's 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 set in stone and they have to abide by that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Atlanta, Atlanta is really tight security and, and everyone complains about it, but it, it, it's, it's the nature of doing business and racing in these venues. You yeah. know, and it's, it's, it is what it is. So, you know, anybody that's going should expect that there are going to be some, some pretty stringent uh, security protocols. Yeah. I noticed it at Glendale more than any other stadium I've been at. I've never been to Atlanta, but you know, mm. it's like, the people they're they're apologizing. I'm like, look, man, you guys are doing your job. You know, it's better safe yeah. than sorry. It, yeah, if you got to go through my bag every time I come through, it is what it is. It's it's not the end of the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. And by the end of the day, people learn what what they need to be bringing in, what they don't. Just leave what you don't need in the car. Yeah, it makes it easier. Exactly. Hey, before we let you go, I guess um, last question is what you know. We, you got eight rounds this year. Is that right? Yes, sir. Okay, is that like do you expect that to be kind of the norm in the next couple of years, or are there things that you would you like to eventually get to where every round has an amateur race? What's the future as of right now? What's your goals for the future? The futures of futures. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I know they wanted to, to do about eight or nine this year. Um, in the next year, moving forward, they were looking ten to twelve rounds. Okay. Um, some venues, it's logistically not feasible like uh detroit uh for instance or minneapolis and i don't want to say those markets are completely out but right now um you know the parking that's our biggest thing right you're bringing in uh 400 500 competitors and their vehicles and motorhomes and you gotta have a place to put all these guys
place like Mini, the teams are actually parked out on the street. So, you know, that would right. be really tough to do futures there unless we can figure out some way to get, you know, major road closures or, or big park areas, which I don't know if they have there. Um, so that's going to kind of control and dictate, you know, where we go. Mm-hmm. Um, I, def- I definitely like to be a little more spread out all over the place. I was I was hoping we'd get up into the northeast. I'm from New Jersey, so okay. I'm a little biased with, with going to East Rutherford, uh, but unfortunately it didn't happen this year. But I, I, I see us uh, having a little bit more expanded schedule as we move uh, into the years to come. Fantastic. Hey, we just yeah. got a question for one of our our YouTube followers um, before we let you go. Mm-hmm. He uh, Gringo sure. wants to know what class that you race in, A, B, or C? Oh, uh, I was racing in... Uh, well, I was racing the plus classes. I was racing twenty five and thirty plus when I raced so it's uh, open Tampa last year. So you so, um, so you can come Nick this year since you since y'all don't have a futures that weekend to come race Daytona, huh? So I might have to come up there. <laughs> I might have to come up there. Right on. Well, man, Bill, yeah. thank you for coming on. Um, I, I'm really excited about the future of futures. I think it, the program, from what I saw, was fantastic. I know TJ got to do the three with Doc. Um, I think it's a good thing. You know, I, I hate that Arena Cross went away, but I think what you guys are doing is still fantastic and going to be very good for the future of the sport. Well, I appreciate it, guys, and I hope to see you down the road at the next Futures event or in Vegas for the uh, the national championship in October. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much. Uh, you have a good night, and, yeah, we'll see you soon. Thanks, guys. All Talk right. To you soon. Take care, bud. Bill Harris with uh, Supercross Futures. So, yeah, follow him if you guys want on Instagram. It's Bill. His last name is H-E-R-A-S. So, yeah, Phil, um, tell him thanks for coming on the show, that you guys heard it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was cool, man. So he, um, I'll tell you one thing I did like about the Futures event, and mm-hmm. it kind of dawned on me as I was watching the um, one of the A classes. It may have been the Futures class. can't remember, but it was one of the A classes. That is a much better stepping stone than Arena Cross to get yeah, your license. Yeah, definitely. Um, just because the track's bigger and more wide open, and um, yeah, and then they left the whoops in this last week. Yeah, that's cool. So, I didn't know that. Yeah, it was good. I didn't. I just kind of had a feeling that was something they weren't going to do at any point. So, um, all right. Well, I guess we need to wrap this thing up. Um, good show. You're going back to work. When are you leaving tonight? No, I, I'll be home tomorrow. Oh, I got, okay. I had I got to do some crap to my RV. The roof started messing up on it, so I'm gonna patch it. Sucks. It. Yeah, it's gonna be sitting there because they can't use it until yeah. I get back. But is yeah. Doc doing any events while you're gone? Yeah, he's got a couple of arena cross at the Nitro. I think they're gonna do a couple of kicker races. Then okay, Loretta's qualifiers maybe. I don't really know. Yeah. Oh, before you know, I watched some of at the Houston. video for the Mesquite round of Nitro. Yes. Not good, dude. What do you mean? Not not a good turnout. Oh, like, really? Yeah, like I didn't see hardly maybe fifty people in the stands. Oh, the stands at Nitro is not where like that doesn't that it's it's kind of like that in a lot of the classes. Okay, because like well, when I went two years ago to Mesquite, it was packed. But was that video of the main events and the pros? That I don't know. So see, it maybe not. That's what I was gonna say. The night show and the pros and all that kind yeah. of stuff, it'll get it'll get packed. Gotcha. Okay. It's okay. during the daytime. It's usually that maybe the that's what the yeah maybe that's what the footage was. It was I was just kind of like oh boy, I hope we got you know it yeah. did look good because that's a good series. You know yeah. I mean yeah and and we want better things. So um, thanks to the YouTube subscribers that were watching live. We appreciate that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And all you people that are listening on 
I guess, downloading the podcast. Yeah. I mean, subscribe to the channel on YouTube, and um, mm-hmm. it'll let you and just click the little notification bell wherever it's down there somewhere. Anyways, and click that and um, subscribe. Subscribe, and it'll, it'll let you know, and you can kind of catch some of this live. Yep. And then if you get bored watching us, like, whatever we're doing, then you can listen to it, a more later. edited, condensed version later. Definitely. Yeah, we appreciate everybody. And I'm going to re-listen to Ward's interview like four or five times. <laughs> well, thank all our sponsors again, Torque One Racing, Shock Socks, MX Girl Designs, All Sport Dynamics, Mad Jack Synthetics, Fly Racing. Yeah, Amazon, man. Check out the, the chain lube. Dane Evans. Sent it's us really some good. Of that stuff is rad. Power Band Racing for your WP suspension, Works Wheels and Mods, and Extreme Colors, Helmet Painting. Um, anything else? Did you get Torque One? Yeah, I, I said they got the clamp on. Yeah, they're grips. they're the title sponsor. I said them first. Oh, okay, I didn't hear it. Um, yeah, check all support our sponsors. Follow us on Patreon. Support us if you can. Uh, giveaways, man. Follow us on Instagram and get involved with the giveaways. When I do those, uh, like I said, we just gave away a WP suspension uh, service from Powerband Racing. That's we, not cheap. No, we gave away some Cerakoting from Works Wheels and Mods. Uh, next week is the fly giveaway. We're doing well. I'm not gonna tell you yet what we're gonna give away, but a lot of cool stuff coming out. So thanks again. Uh, next week, see you next week. California.